0: Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 38 of the Diz Unplugged the Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co host, producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Ni hao, Craig? Ni hao. <laughs> i didn't expect that you caught me off guard there i can't tell you how many times i've heard that over the last
1: three weeks (laughs) oh yeah yeah i'm sure quite a bit so that's that is that japanese or chinese uh, I, it's Chinese. Chinese, okay. But
0: don't ask me if it's Cantonese or Mandarin. <laughs> so, I, I won't. <laughs> so, But yes, and the, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because I returned just a few hours ago from a wonderful trip with Adventures by oh, Disney oh. and Dreams Unlimited travel to um, China. And then, um, thanks to Dreams Unlimited Travel and John Majai, they put together a group pre-trip to Tokyo, so that we could see um, Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea. Uh, but this was not part of the Dreams Unlimited Travel um, Adventures by Disney China tour. So this is a special add-on that we did. So we had just it, truly a, a trip of a lifetime that we had. So and so, what I'm going to do is share what I can remember. Uh, about this trip and um, go and and just sort of go on from there and uh, but you know lack of sleep I have a feeling I'm going to forget some of the details you know of the trip so anyway so I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, It's sort of a disclaimer that uh, even though I'm a part of the Diz, I did fully pay for the trip. So I'm going to share my experiences as any other client of Dreams Unlimited Travel and um, you know, rather than, you know, just as a member of the Diz. So uh, we started out, I flew from San Francisco to Tokyo and and Narita Airport, uh, economy class. It was cramped. Oh, Oh, yeah. Gosh, it was terrible. So... um, (laughs) So service was fine, though. How long was yeah, that flight? So, oh gosh, I think it was like 10 and a half or 11 hours. And I was traveling with um, Rob, who is a Dizzer and a listener to the show. Uh, he was also a solo traveler. Carol had no interest in going on this trip. She'd been to Tokyo. We'd both been to Tokyo back in 2002. And that that was sort of enough for Carol. Mm-hmm. And also for her um, medical reasons, it would not have been wise for her to um, travel to, especially to China. If there had been a medical emergency, they would not have been equipped. Yeah, um, yeah. to handle uh, to handle her unique um, condition. So, so uh, rather than um, you know having to pay the solo fare and Rob having to pay the solo fare, I think at one of the Diz events we had maybe like two years ago, we had uh, we talked about um, traveling together. on this trip. So
1: that's what we did. Yeah, that's... And so... I mean, that's hmm? one of the benefits of uh, our community that we've kind of built. Uh, You know, it's... We get together for a lot of these meets, other just random podcast cruises, things here and there, and we all get to know each other. So uh, it really opens the doors uh, to... If there's ever big, big events like that, you know, try to make as many friends as you can in the Diz community because you never know when you might be traveling with them one day. And like like yeah. in your case, it really helped out cutting down the cost instead of doing it as a solo traveler by just knowing fellow travelers in our community.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what was cool about this trip is I think I knew almost everybody on this trip, because we all traveled together so much, usually to Diz events or on other backstage magic tours, a lot of the group had traveled on other um, Dreams Unlimited travel adventures by Disney tours. Uh, so it was it was really like old home week for some of. We did have some uh, a couple that uh, a couple or two that were uh, new. Um, to traveling with the Diz, but they had been part of our Skype calls that we were doing every uh-huh. couple of weeks and all that. So we pretty much knew them, um, you know, like Ian and Diane from the UK. We pretty much knew them by the time, uh, you know, we all met up. So, so again, that's that's really yeah. You're right. That that is one of the benefits of doing an Adventures by Disney. Tour through, you know, through the Diz and through Dreams Unlimited travel because you know the people you're traveling with already. And what's nice is you have your support group right there. If anybody, and it's interesting because Christian, who's one of our tour guides, he said this on the final night, so I'm jumping ahead a bit. But it's something that happened throughout the trip you know every once in a while if someone fell behind or they weren't feeling well you know everybody was there to encourage them and make sure they were okay or you know we would um wait back with them until they were able to catch up because there were there were some parts of the trip that were a bit of a challenge um you know going up hills or uneven you know cobblestones things like that and um, Christian said that you know he he hasn't seen that in other groups, but he sees that with the Diz groups that that sense of, of people taking care of each other. So um, so so, and we definitely saw that on this trip, you know, throughout. So, what was nice is is also part of this you know we were traveling as a group, so um John arranged uh, so many of us were flying into Narita around the same time that John arranged for all of us to ride together in a couple of sort of like mini buses kind of thing um to to the Tokyo Disneyland hotel, so we were not you know fending for ourselves you know, when we landed in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that was nice, too. Um, There are three hotels at the Tokyo Disney Resort. There's the Ambassador, the Miracosta, and then the newest, which is the Disneyland Hotel. Um, You know, and I've heard some say that the Disneyland Hotel is their least favorite due to its opulence, that it's closer to a Ritz-Carlton than a Disney hotel. But, um, you know, it's very similar to the um, Grand Floridian Resort out there in you know hmm. Walt Disney World but it was it, it was very familiar but it was lots of details and everything was grand everything was huge and that's going to be a theme uh, uh, that I talk about on this trip everything was just so grand and huge Uh Throughout it, uh, there was an enormous Sorcerer's Apprentice fountain in the front. There's a, a huge marble Victorian-style lobby. There were there were lots of Disney touches, you know, from a, a turn of the century statues of Mickey, Minnie in the lobby, which actually we then you know saw in other resorts along our way. There were stained glass windows of the characters, um, Disney topiaries, um, the Disney characters that are embedded in the carpets. Uh, they, they lead you to the correct wing. Um, there's an Alice and Wonderland Mosaic. And again, everything was huge. And, it, and something that was... Something about all of the parks that we went to is the the de- the Disney details that there were it was in everything I and mean, we were noticing details in our room and in the hotel even days after we we were staying there wow. um, because there were so many of them or they were so carefully crafted I mean the food there's so much Disney shaped things yeah you know in the parks and I thought you know why can't why can't we have more of that here Oh, I was you jealous know, we,
1: every single time I saw you guys post a picture of a new dumpling that you were able to try that was yeah. shaped like a new, a new Disney or Pixar character. Like I was, I was blown away by that. Do yeah. you, w- would you say that the details are
0: unlike anything in the domestic parks? Uh, yes, absolutely. Especially, especially in just. Yeah, in the tiniest little things. I mean, I had Mickey-shaped hash brown potatoes, you know, Wow. <laughs> I mean, everything is Mickey-shaped. I think I posted, I don't quite know what day of the week it was, because, you know, we're off, you know, a little, it's uh-huh. ahead uh-huh. in Shanghai or in China by like 15 hours from the West Coast. So it might have been two days ago, but for me, it was yesterday. Um it was, uh, you know, we had these. Rob and I got these wonderful ice cream sundays. at Shanghai Disneyland, and it was everything about it was Disney themed, you know. And uh, the containers, the the little toppings they put in, the little chocolate Mickey and Minnie's they put on it. I mean, you know, and it it, it really doesn't take a lot of effort to do yeah. that, but it, it just makes it a little more magical. And and that was just the theme, you know, throughout you know the trip um so when we when when we checked in we were presented with a dizzying amount of small papers i mean there there was a little piece of paper for everything the monorail passes the tickets the um we we breakfast was provided each day um uh, I, I was losing track of what they all were. And and everything was dated. And then they were all in an envelope that was labeled with our name. Now, the interesting thing is about their three-day pass that we had. Um, you had to choose the parks the first two days that you were going into. So they were single-day tickets the first two days. And you had to state right then and there what parks you were going into. So those of us who were checking in, we all had this sort of Get get group up and say okay where are we going first you know where are we going tomorrow where are we going the next day huh. and then the third day is a park hopper is oh, that ticket typical or was that just to kind of cut costs for you guys that was that was just that was the way Tokyo works that's typical so if you wow. get a three day park hopper that's just the way it is and Carol and I remember that from when we were there previously. Um, yeah, but, but you get, um, oh, you get, so you get your, you get your monorail pass. You get three early admission passes. We had our three breakfast buffet passes. We had, I mean, all of these little tiny delicate pieces of paper. And then and then you get a personalized map to your room. It's just not where they pull out a map and they say, you're here with a little red sharpie and your room's over there. And they circle that in a red sharpie. And then they draw the little red sharpie line, you know, to your room. Yeah. Um No it was all printed out it had our names on it our room number exactly how to get there it was it was really impressive so what they what they did with that and then we were given park maps and a survey and um to do at the end uh our room was huge. I, I mean, it was large, even by American standards. I, and it was all well appointed. I liked that the vanity was separate from the shower and the tub. There was a water closet with a bidet. I never figured out all the buttons on this thing. But I did figure out I <laughs> like bidets. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> so, uh, I even read up on why why Americans didn't embrace bidets. Why is that? Why not have them and all that. Well, it actually, this is a family-friendly podcast. It actually had to do with World War One, World War Two, when um, our soldiers were in France and the let's just say the 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 houses of entertainment where they they first encountered bidets, and so they associated them with that type of encounter, and gotcha. they would not necessarily want them in their homes. So totally did get they, it now. <laughs> yeah, what okay. I asked. Everyone yes. knows now. <laughs> so anyway, but um, so so that's why, and it's unfortunate because it it they make a lot of sense and all that. Although there were still like six buttons, I don't know what they did. Um, <laughs> anyway, also the toiletries were beautiful. You got this tin that was a themed tin. And it had sewing kit items, a scrunchie. I don't know why you'd have scrunchie in there. Um, and other kinds of things. Um, there were four adult toothbrushes. To, and, of course, these were all packaged, you know, in, in Disney packaging. Um, two children's toothbrushes, two razors, a small hairbrush, lotion, shampoo, a, a plastic um, drinking cup with a handle, con- uh, conditioner, and all that. And they were, these were in like perfume like bottles and it was all themed sorcerer's mickey sorcerer mickey that's awesome yeah yeah so uh, so of course rob and i you know we would hide them each night and then i brought i brought just regular h2o spa products <laughs> so that we could use those and then um save the other stuff well yeah you're not so, a true disney um, fan. I mean, we had a be- unless
1: yeah, you yeah. hide the so- toiletries to get more
0: yeah, and they give you um wonderful themed uh you know uh, um slippers, you know, the, the Tokyo Disneyland hotel I don't think they had robes. The other hotels did. Uh but you um you also got these wonderful beautiful shopping bags. They were always in your closet every day. So I have a number of those. Both Rob and I do cuz I thought we can, you know, gifts that we bought, we can put them in those bags. And they usually had the um uh, an artist's illustration of the hotel, you know, on the bag, all beautifully rendered. That's and, insane. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a beautiful view. We had a beautiful view of the monorail station um, with Tokyo Disneyland Disney Sea in the distance. The only thing is the beds and pillows were remarkably firm. Um, we, I don't think anybody in our group got really good night's sleep, partially because of jet lag and partially because of how hard... Um, everything was Hmm. i mean
1: i i I understand that some Mm -hmm. cultures prefer hard beds
0: yeah yeah so after settling in we went down to the dreamers lounge in the lobby for snacks and drinks and um Kevin Close, you know Kevin of, of you know the Orlando show. I know that he um, ordered a bratwurst and sauerkraut sandwich. Again, this is another theme of this trip because he only to dis- only to discover it contained a surprise ingredient not on the menu: um, pumpkin. What? <laughs> yes, there were there was there was always a twist on the food, and um, pumpkin seemed to be Tokyo's twist on everything. <laughs> so. You know, yeah. Yeah. Who, who would have thunk, huh? <laughs> it sounds terrible, but and I love yeah, it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I do too, and sauerkraut, but um I ne it never would have occurred to me. And we we grabbed the menu and <laughs> we looked yeah, there was no pumpkin listed in there, so anyway. Disney magic. Yeah. Yeah, so we learned that most of the Western style dishes would contain an unusual ingredient. Uh, some sort. So we met up with others in our group that night. We walked to Disneyland because you know our day one was it was like a cruise ship day one. You know it was really we arrived. It was evening. We only had a few hours. You know, so yeah, it, yeah. it was sort of like I wish we had one more full day. So we really only maybe had two and a quarter days you know in the parks. Um so we had a few hours till closing so we acquainted ourselves with World Bazaar which is their um main street USA but it's in co- it's covered in this like huge ornate um glass uh oh you know arcade and um mainly for weather issues
1: um is it like got, heated I, I know it's obviously covered mm-hmm. for rain but is it like heated in the wintertime too
0: you know that i don't know Um uh, it's terribly loud because um you know you hear all the voices in there and, and then yeah. in the morning they had the band in there I, playing like like you would on main street well that's and know, it's and- all resonating off this glass you know um pavilion basically that's yeah. over you
1: yeah, like in, in Diagon Alley at Universal, they have the one section that uh, has kind of that same glass overhang, and it suffers from the same problems, too. It's just so loud from that yeah. echo.
0: yeah and then we um discovered that the Main Street Ele- Electrical Parade Dreamlights would begin shortly this is an amazing parade it's beautiful um, it's the it's like the next generation of the Main Street Electrical Parade it's right in between the original and Paint the Night um again large floats that they're extremely modern um they have a lot of the more recent films including P- Pixar um really dazzling uh, special effects this would be uh, you know if they ever if what the do you think, in, in terms return, of all 3 nighttime um, parades, where do you this version they should have something like this come back you know and and the blue fairy leads it which is nice so um
1: exactly yeah
0: oh gosh oh you mean like um original Main Street Electrical Parade this one and Paint the Night wow and that's tough because you know for the original Main Street Electrical Parade it would be you know that's the emotional you know connection we all have to it so that'd probably be one I think Paint the Night probably two and then this one just really close third so um but I might even switch those depending upon my mood but um, that's really a magnificent parade. Uh, we we waited then for the Halloween fireworks. They were very brief and simple. Um, this is a throwback like to the eighties, uh, you know. With the you know, they had like these little ghosts that looked like the ones out of Pac Man or something, oh. just floating on the castle or something. And, and and nothing special. It was it was only like five minutes. So do they just um, run now? The Halloween Sorry. do they?
1: No, no, it, yeah they. Go ahead, do they run the Halloween stuff like daily, or is this was like a party?
0: no the, everything everything in all of the parks just runs throughout the day so Very um, they yeah, they don't have a hard ticketed event for it um for Halloween. And um, now the Halloween theme for Tokyo Disneyland is Halloween rock and roll. It makes no sense to me with the Fab Five and Chip and Dale grooving out to the beat. You know, um, they used to have a sort of comic style ghosts as their theme. And if you in Western land, um, they still have those ghosts there. But uh, this theme made virtually no sense to me. So um, anyway, but still sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, this was followed by the Japanese version of the Magic Kingdom's Happily Ever After. Um, the only difference was the language. You know, it, it was in Japanese. So, And then after wandering through the shops for a few minutes, everyone went to the room. However, some of us met back in a dreamer's lounge for a nightcap. And this would become a nightly ritual throughout our trip. Is Every evening, we would gather in whatever you know, the lounge of whatever hotel we were in. And just... Visit and have a drink or two and chat and all that. Uh, as time went on the group sort of became smaller as um people grew more exhausted and went to bed earlier. You know, that and that's typical, you know, for an adventures by Disney trip and all that. Same as podcast crews too. Yeah. So the next day we met at the Sherwood Forest Buffet at seven AM and this was a mix of Western and Japanese food. It wasn't bad. So and we um Took the monorail to Disney Sea. The uh, Kathy Whirling of our Walt Disney World show would love these monorails. Uh, they were spotless, uh, you know. And of course, again, Disney theme. The windows are Mickey shaped. Um, the seats are cushioned um, and smooth. Uh, the monorails just run so smoothly compared to what you know we're used to here. You know, especially at Walt Disney. Yeah. And they were themed inside to Halloween. Um the Mickey hand grips, that again, they're in the shape of Mickey. They had little witches' hats on them. Yeah. Oh that's yeah. adorable. Yeah, and rather than advertisements on the walls, they had Halloween designs and stuff. So now hmm. Disney Sea do you know anything about Disney Sea, Craig? Uh just
1: a little bit that I've heard from friends who have been there. But yeah. You know, I've I've never dug into it because I'm I'm waiting to experience it myself so, firsthand.
0: Yeah, this is like no other Disney park. Um, it has elements that would have been in the Port Disney Long Beach project. Um, that you enter at Mer- uh, Mediterranean Harbor and you, and you go through the Miracosta Hotel. And which was, I think, the first hotel ever built in a Disney park, where it's overlooking a Disney park, and it looks like an old Southern European seaport. And the details are incredible. Um, there's a fortress you can explore, and it has a a Foucault pendulum, a camera obscura, and, and a, a recreation of our solar system. That's like the uh, sort of reminiscent of the Astro Orbiter. But guests oh, wow. guests can crank the planets to make them spin around the sun. And they even have free descriptive pamphlets to help guide you, um, you know, through the fortress. And these are like little works of art unto themselves, these pamphlets. Um, We saw the Villains Halloween Water Show in the Lagoon. It was in... Japanese, but this was a spectacle. They had these huge large themed barges filled with villains. And then the Fab Five plus Chip and Dale. There were dancers on shore. There were jet skiers. There were these water jet packs that they they went through the they went through the waters sort of like um Ursula's little henchmen um okay, did, yeah. you know. And but then they flew straight up in the air and and then they did all of these it was like dancing in the air and all of that and um it, it it was amazing and and there was a catchy repetitive song and every barge was themed to a villain and then there there was dancing on the shore of pirates and i, I don't know what else is going on and uh <laughs> it it was amazing just amazing um you know i couldn't tell you what was happening But it was, it was a sight to behold. And, um, definitely. Yeah,
1: it sounds unlike anything that we'd have domestically. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So, um. Very cool. Um, we got fast passes for Nemo and Friends Sea Rider at Port Discovery, and and then we went over to Mysterious Island. But Nemo and Friends Sea Rider that that's a redressing of uh, of a, a attraction that Carol and I had been on before, where you it was a sort of a storm rider thing, where you went into the eye of a hurricane. But for this one. You're you're shrunk to the size of a um, fish, a, your your little submarine, and then you go through and you interact with Nemo and his friends, and and this was updated, you know, after Finding Dory, so his characters from Finding Dory in it. Again, have no idea what was going on, but it was absolutely adorable. They had the little seagulls and the 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 little otters just stole the show, and. um <laughs> And anyway, and it, so, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I have a hard time with more and more of the IPs, you know, going into the park. Yeah. So this is cute. And um, so I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if Finding Dory and Finding Nemo are infused in a way like that, I, I get it. But, you know, just taking over something like the seas and throwing in turtle talk and adding some projections inside the fish tank, that that's not a good way to utilize an IP yeah
0: Yeah, so we walked over to Mysterious Island. And of course, this is based on, you know, Jules Verne's um, novels. And the centerpiece for this land is Mount Prometheus. And this is a huge volcano, and it houses the journey to the center of the Earth attraction. And this is a volcano that looms over the park, and it routinely erupts. And they have several jet engines inside that spew flames out of the top of it. Um, during the eruption, wow. and then at night with the lighting, I mean, it's really spectacular. So, and Journey to the Center of the Earth is basically where you you see again. There's this huge drill that's in the side. Of Mount Prometheus, because when you walk into the interior, you're in the island where uh, it's sort of Captain um, Nemo's lair, where the Nautilus is parked, and there's a Nautilus parked there. And then there's this big drill into the that's going into um, Mount Prometheus, and that's where they've they've been drilling down into the mountain. And you see, uh, it, it reminds me very much of Pandora and the Navi River Journey. Even though it was built okay. way before that, but it has that feel as you're going, as as you're riding through it. First of all, it has a great cue that again, you know, in the style of sort of Indiana Jones, that kind of detail. And um, and apparently, what has happened is that things have gone wrong because the person it's supposed to be monitoring the drill and your your vehicles as they're traveling has taken a, a break from tea for his tea break and you can see where his station is supposed to be and you can see his little empty tea cup and all that stuff there <laughs> and then as you go on well it turns out the drill has drilled a little too deep and so you know the, the uh, in, you know, interior volcanoes are erupting there's lava spewing but the lava monster then awakes, and that's what you encounter—an an incredible audio animatronic figure that's really big. Um, before you sort of get blasted out of the side, the top side of Mount Prometheus, and go sort of careening down on the outside of it. So um, it's a short ride, but it's really good, really, really. Well yeah. Done.
1: I have seen videos of this online and it always has looked amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh the other attraction in there, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was closed for refurbishment unfortunately. Uh we ate lunch in the Teddy Roosevelt Lounge. This is at the American Waterfront. It was inside the US Columbia. U- Um, which is a a recreation of a giant ocean liner steamship. Um, Food and drinks were fine. They were all just a bit off. Like, I ordered a pastrami sandwich. I don't know what kind of cheese was on it. Or or maybe it was butter. I I don't know. Uh, And it was on white bread. And it just isn't, you know, not on rye. Wow. You know, so so again, you know, there were always those little touches that were off, you know. But it was fine. And, um, and then um then we went and we rode um Aquatopia. This is in um Port Discovery. This is just a cute little trackless water ride sitting in it. And it's supposed to be some sort of e- discovery of exploration or something. And you're just going oh, okay. around and um and then it, but it's trackless. So you you're just going on all these different paths and every once in a while there'll be a little geyser or something that erupts. I used to remember there was more of that kind of stuff, but um, back in two thousand and two, so I'm not sure if they turned off some of them or what. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, it's cute; it's a nice ride for young younger folks. Um, then we went into the. Um, Indiana jones adventure the temple of the crystal skull this is in the lost river delta area and this is um very similar to disneyland's um it has a different backstory and setting it's in the yucatan they don't i don't think they do the backstory setup as well as the one in anaheim does the the um only film um they show is it's a safety film um they don't show any of the other you know the other backstory film that they show yeah. in Anaheim. Um, oh, this is not related to the film of the same name in any way. That's
1: what I was going to ask. Yeah,
0: so um, so there are there. Are, it's just that it, it, there's a crystal skull that's been uncovered in this, and, and the style, of the temple is very different. Still, very more like a Mexico. And Mexico, you can okay. tell Peninsula style. And so rather than the Eyes of Mara, it's a, it's a crystal skull. It seems to do the same exact thing. So it's just okay, a crystal yeah, skull. Yeah. Um few less special effects. Um, uh, again, excellent cue, great attraction. Probably the funniest part is Indy speaks Japanese, you know, in this one.
1: Hey, it's got to sound more like uh, the Disneyland one does to uh, Harrison Ford because... Yeah. That sounds nothing like Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah.
0: And they, um, there's also another roller coaster that's in that area. It's a, it's like a mine train ro- ro- roller coaster kind of thing. But I think it has a loop in it and stuff. And um, I didn't go yeah, on Yeah, I that. remember seeing photos of that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the hangar stage, um, which is also in this area, we saw the show Out of the Shadowlands. We have absolutely no idea what it was about. Uh, it, it, it was just a sight to see. It started out with what looked like these scouts on the stage and this one girl gets separated and lost. And I don't know, she encounters this deer and then this becomes a deer man. And then uh, there's, she encounters characters that I decided were the elements of the earth, like fire, okay. wind, water, and sky. That, that was my guess. And then there was someone in just this fru frou, Pink dress, maybe she was flowers. I don't know what she was, but she seemed <laughs> to think she was the star of the show. And based on her bows at the end, and um, and then and then this giant bird that was sort of like from the Sinbad films comes out and attacks, and I don't know, kills the deer man. We we didn't understand why he needed to die. And anyway, it appears to have a happy ending. I think the girl who is at the center of this learned some sort of a lesson. Um, <laughs> but I don't know all I know is Out of Shadowlands became a running gag for the rest of the trip <laughs> and, so, yeah. and it I sounds even very asked bizarre. people I even asked people who spoke Japanese what it was about and they couldn't tell me it, and so um, <laughs> anyway so I thought okay this one was a cast member so this does not bode well <laughs> anyway but you can buy the CD it was available on Main Street so, did you buy no, it? No, I did not. I bought the Dreamlight C D. They have oh, okay. that's one thing about this park. They had a ton of CDs and stuff. the weird thing about the other parks did not, and none of the parks had like those souvenir booklets that are so common in our parks. So which was really disappointing. Um
1: Yeah, I mean those are super collectibles, yeah. so that's disappointing.
0: Yeah, we, we went to the Arabian Coast and we um, rode Sinbad's storybook Voyage. This is this is their It's a Small World for this park. It's a cute little story uh, of a non-stop singing Sinbad and his cute little tiger. Really well done audio animatronic figures. I believe some of them were, I believe they were done by Garner Holt Productions. This is a different version than the one Carol and I saw. Ours, I think, was a more literate telling of sinbad's tales this was a more Uh fanciful tale and i and i'm assuming sinbad singing his story throughout but it was really cute and really well done so um anyway then we went to mermaid lagoon and this is where it looks like um this is their kitty land basically on the outside it looks just like king triton's castle I mean, it's beautiful, and especially at night, lit up. Um, and inside, they've created an amazing undersea environment. There are small rides, you know, and they're, and they're typical off-the-shelf little rides, little spinner rides and stuff. But they're all themed to, um, you know, the fish, uh, you know, sea life from that you'd find, un, you know, under the sea. And they had a, cool. yeah, and they had a very good um, show. Um, It was King Triton's concert, and Ariel and her sisters put on a concert. And um, puppetry and um, and gymnastics are a big part of this. the 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 woman who um, Ariel, she was, you know, she's above you on you know on these wires and all that to make it look like she's really swimming and all that, and uh, she was very good, you know, while she's talking and singing and everything, so so very impressive. When Carol and I saw this, they actually did the, the, they put on the the story of The Little Mermaid, so they had a larger cast and way more puppets and all that, so this is slightly smaller and relies more on special effects, video, things like that, but it's still really well done. Um, We ate dinner at Ristorante. Di can- canaletto this is Italian food from a Japanese point of view this is this is what the Japanese must think Italian food is like um, we had there were four course <laughs> meals um, the best part was hearing the cast members saying buena sera, every time somebody walked in you know with their Japanese accent <laughs> um, I, I said I wanted that as my ringtone um, it was just a hoot. The food was fine, but again, everything just a little off. you know, but um, we saw their phantasmic that night. Again, it's back out on the lagoon in a Mediterranean um, seaport area. And they um, th- this is a combination of phantasmic and world of color on water. So oh. there's there's a lot of giant, again, giant barges. Much of it takes place on this recreation of a huge Sorcerer Mickey um, hat that Mickey's the top of. And then there's like digital and LED projections on it. Um, it's the same basic story that we know, but again, completely different. Uh, a really well done Maleficent who sort of comes out, the magic mirror is in the back. Um, when he makes his appearance, and Maleficent sort of comes out of that, and oh, at, at one wow. point, but but again, this this was a spectacle, and some people didn't care for it, and I don't know if maybe because it was a little too high tech, uh, you know, then you know, because Fantastic tends to be, you know, still very still simple, really, in a lot of ways, and uh, yeah, and compared to this, where it was a lot of LED lights and projections and. You know, and and things like that. So, um, so that might have put some people off. Did it have the pirate section? Mm, um, Did they have Captain Jack's Sparrow? That was so long ago. I (laughs) think I, you know, I I I really can't remember if they did or not. So um, okay, okay, because this park doesn't have really doesn't have pirates. It's um, Pirates of the Caribbean is over at Disneyland. Okay. Okay. So, um, we, so uh, food, we ate Little Green Man Mochi. Um, that was really good. There's lots, and like I said, lots of the food is Disney-themed. Um, this is also the home of Duffy Shelley May Gelatoni um, which is an artist cat, Stella Lou, the rabbit ballerina. Um, I guess there was a Tippy Blue or something who was a seagull, but he must have fallen out of favor because the only thing left of him was were keychains. Um, but uh, people... First of all, the costumes that people wore to this park. Most elaborate costumes I have ever seen in my life. There were times we didn't know if these were disney cast members or were these uh, guests because tokyo they allow them they allow you to come in in full-blown as detailed as you want costumes
1: yeah i i've noticed just over the past couple of weeks i mean between being out in disneyland and then also here in orlando I, a lot of asian guests who are in elaborate costumes even during the daytime uh, yes. And I'm not talking about just party nights, just <clears> in general. <throat> it's. Uh, I So I guess our domestic parks are starting to embrace it a little bit, too. But I, I've seen so much of that, and it blows me away every
0: time. Yeah, I mean, these were incredible. And I learned that most of these, they've made themselves. So people put a tremendous amount of time and care into these. We saw people walk and it was warm. That day, it was right before the weather started turning. Uh, They, 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 I mean, they're in full-blown Chip and Dale costumes, head to toe, or Winnie the Pooh costumes. Oh wow! But but then, but then the best thing is they're walking around carrying their plushes, and and Duffy is king. I mean, Duffy and his friends are king. They're carrying them around. They, at, at meals, they have their own seats at the table. They pose them around and take photos of them at attractions, on benches. Um, when we were waiting for Phantasmic, some of those critters, those stuffed animals had better views than we did because people were putting them in the best spots so their stuffed animals could watch Phantasmic. It, it was amazing. So, um, you would enjoy it. I'll have more on that later. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, <Can't> wait. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll revisit Duffy and Sh- I'll revisit Duffy in Shanghai. So, um, popcorn buckets are huge at Disney C. You know, I like my popcorn buckets. Um, different popcorn buckets are associated with different flavors, and they're so popular that on the guide map. There is a whole section of popcorn buckets of of flavored popcorns, and where you can locate them. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, that's so cool.
0: Yeah, so I added a, a Finding Nemo um, bucket. His eyes move. Uh, a really cool Buzz Lightyear in his box. His toy box, you know, that he comes in, and then a Mickey Mouse um, yeah. theme popcorn bucket to my collection. Um, Excellent. One, one thing? One thing is very difficult to find here. And Carol and I remember this from last time. It's very difficult to find bottled water. Um, you have to ask for mineral water. So if you ever do visit these parks, um, bring at least uh, Tokyo parks, bring a refillable bottle because the water in the drinking fountains is filtered and it's chilled. So, um, so you always have cold water that you can get. Huh. The nice thing about Adventures by Disney is they always made sure our hotel rooms were filled with water, um, free of charge. And when we were on the road, um, they always were providing us with um, bottles of water. Or And when we That's were in good. the parks, they were always purchasing bottles of water for us. Um, the park is immaculate and you have to search for trash cans. Uh, they're not every you know few feet like in our domestic parks um, but because people tend not to eat whilst they walk. There's a lot of sitting areas. People tend to sit and eat. Um, so they don't walk around the way we do. So so you don't need as many trash cans. Huh. So um, <laughs> um, trend, pin trading not a big deal here, Um, little tchotchke things are. All kinds of little things. The the shops are filled with little things. It was really hard to find um, merchandise not related, not themed to Halloween. Um, It's The merchandise is all seasonally themed um, there, and I guess that's normal. So, since it was Halloween season, pretty much everything was themed to Halloween. And it was tough to find things that said, like, um, Tokyo, you know, Disneyland, Tokyo, Disney Sea, you know, shirts and things like that. Um, Most of the shirts I liked, I found, that I saw people wearing, I found in Hong Kong. So, I don't know if it's just because they bought them in Hong Kong, or they were normally available in this park, but because it was Halloween, they were not on the shelves yet. Uh
1: Yeah, that's... that's a trip. Yeah.
0: Another thing is is that whatever size shirt you wear, go up one size if you're buying it in any of the Asian parks. So like I wear a large right now, so I would get an extra large and everything and it fit just fine. Um overall, Disney Sea is a very unique park. Like I said, it is beautifully themed with an incredible attention to detail telling different stories than our traditional castle parks um it isn't heavy on ips you know in there um and there are so many out of the way places to explore in this park uh just thoroughly enjoyable Uh, my only regret is i didn't get a chance to ride the tower of the terror attraction because that has a different backstory than the others because the japanese are not familiar with the twilight zone television yeah yeah so it goes into the sca you know, Society of Explorers and Ventures, and you know, High Tower, and you know, this is the High Tower Hotel. And he was a collector, and he had this uh, idol that I think he brought back on one of his journeys from Africa or somewhere. And he was—he lived. This was his hotel, but and he lived in the penthouse. He was riding the elevator carrying this idol he had brought back. Um, that apparently is cursed. Um, onto, you know, riding it up to the top of his penthouse, something happens. Um, Lights, gotten hotel. The elevator goes plummeting to the to the ground. When they finally pry the doors open, uh, the um, the only thing in the hotel in the elevator uh, is the little idol. High Tower there's no trace of them so of course the hotel becomes abandoned people are afraid to stay there but the New York Preservation Society uh, they've now restored the hotel and they're they're giving tours um, and but you of course because you're an honored guest you get to be the first group that will go up into um, High Towers penthouse Of course mayhem ensues so because the little idol suddenly you know, makes his appearance <laughs> during your ascent. So um, anyway, but, you know, it was by this time, the weather, the, people in my group weren't real hot on going into Disney, going on Tower Terror. So I didn't really push it. There's only like one other person that really was willing to go. And so we thought, OK, we'll go back later. Later never happened. By the next day, it was cold and rainy and I was tired. And so I just didn't. After sending a day at Disneyland, Sea was so open, I just didn't feel like riding the monorail over there. So Mm -hmm. I could have done it. I just didn't. And it's too bad I didn't. So our next day, we were at Tokyo Disneyland, um, and that's when it was cold and rainy. Um, We got Fast Passes for Pooh's Honey Hunt. This is an incredibly themed attraction. Uh, This is an e-ticket, which sounds weird to those of us who have only seen our domestic. Poo rides; uh, th- these are trackless vehicles. Um, it's always a long line. This is one of the best attractions in the park. Um, no other poo attraction compares to this one. In in the theming, in the layout, in uh, in the just having that trackless ride in that heffalump scene. Uh-huh. Um, when you know when Tigger jumps, it's like the whole room jumps with him. That's how you feel, not just that you're going on a little track that sort of jumps, you know, way. Yeah, holes. yeah. Uh, yeah, I rolled this, I rode this twice. And what's interesting, too, a lot of the theme set pieces in the queue and all that, they're well within reach of guests in the queue, but no one touches them, you know, which, you know, I wonder what would happen in our parks here.
1: if it, you could. Uh, would never out. happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, there'd be nothing there, yeah. We pretty much walked on all the Fantasyland attractions. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Pinocchio is pretty close to Disneyland. It's all in Japanese. Some scenes are set slightly differently, but overall it's the same attraction. Um, Snow White, much longer than the Magic Kingdom's old version. Um, very similar to Disneyland, but this is scary. This is frightening. Children would have Nightmares. After writing this ride, oh wow! The, the, I mean, the, the the scary forest scene, the scary witch, really well done. And um, th- this one should say "Snow White Scary Adventures" on it. This this has earned the title. <laughs> um, so, anyway, um, haunted mansion. Now they have the Florida version of the haunted mansion, but they have the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. So think of. Our, you know, in Disneyland, they have the Haunted Mansion over, yeah, Nightmare for overlay, but you guys have extra rooms. So it's it's even bigger. And also, Tokyo had four times the budget that Disneyland did. And I saw some of the figures and all that when I did the tour of Garner Holt Productions a few weeks ago. This is... um, it There's more scenes in here. There's more Jack and Sally figures. It is very well done. I wrote this several times. Um, there's no gingerbread house like Disneyland. There is a gingerbread house in the ballroom, but it's not like Disneyland's where it's switched out every year. And you know what it's going to be is a thing that we all wait to hear. What is it going to be this year? Um, they, they have a standard piece. Um, and there is no Monkey Bride. That the Disneyland version has up in the attic, but um, it is it it is terrific, and the outside where they have Jack's sleigh is is up on the crash, sort of up on the roof, and they have you know all the little jack o' lanterns along the rooftop, all glowing and all that at night. I mean, it just makes you wish, you know, they would do it in Florida. So now that now that I'm still
1: hoping, you know, <laughs> like so many other people.
0: Yeah. So um we got fast passes for the Monsters Inc. flashlight hunt for four fifteen. This is where our group split up. Um, Some of us saw um, the stage show One Man's Dream 2. And this is the park's character show. It's with everything else very elaborately staged. What I like about them, and this is true in all the parks, they include more obscure characters that we really don't see in our parks that much. Like they had an aristocat scene. They had Flick and his friends from A Bug's Life. They had Turk from Tarzan. Uh, So that was really cool. Uh, The theme music was in English, um, but the dialogue was in Japanese and that's very common with all the shows and parades. Um, The Monsters, Inc. flashlight hunt is not like the disney california adventures monster inc let's sully and mike to the rescue whatever it's called attraction in this attraction mike and sully have brought boo back to visit monstropolis and they get in and this is after the film so this is when you know everybody you know they click laughs and all that so they get into the game of flashlight hide and seek so in our ride vehicles we also have flashlights and as we travel through Monstropolis, we're supposed to shine our lights on monsters and look for Boo and all that. And they're all hiding. And when your flashlight hits them, um, they reveal surprises. And in most cases, it's just very simple movements of the, of the figures that are triggered by the light. But it's a it's a cool, fun little attraction. Um, Toontown is a mirror image of Disneyland. It's much more spread out. Has Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. Um, the Five and Dime is much smaller. We ate um, pizza spring rolls here. They're like giant hot pockets. But that was like the how. Ha- oh, they have a lot of Halloween themed dishes, food, and all okay. that throughout there. And and there's nothing real Halloweenish about them. They're just special menu items. Okay. Um, Adventureland. They do have a tiki room. It is Hawaiian themed and it's in Japanese now. The warning is on the outside, because outside there are posters that are handmade by Lilo that she's looking for her lost dog. Of course... Then it's a picture of Stitch um, the birds inside have Hawaiian names and they start out singing Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride and it looks pretty much like ours but it soon becomes evident that Stitch is inside the Tiki Hut with us and at some point he then joins in the singing and the gi- a giant audio-animatronic Stitch rises out of the magical centerpiece of his ukulele to sing along um, This is marginally better than Stitch's Great Escape, but, um, you know, it could be worse.
1: It, well, yeah, but it sounds like my worst nightmare, so I don't know how Mm -hmm. much worse it could actually get.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I wasn't impressed with this. I didn't ride this one again. Um, The Jungle Cruise is very similar to the Magic Kingdoms. The river is narrower, so again, you could reach out and, you know, touch things if you cared to, um the the odd thing about this is there's theme music in it and, and so i'm sitting there thinking am i hearing music as we're going along to this um That's so weird yeah so as, a, as i'm as was explained to me later by uh, connecting with what listener that i'll talk about in a moment the japanese like to have things that are very familiar to them so for example um with the western style dishes that they're not accustomed to and white rice will be served because that's something that's familiar to them so on the Jungle Cruise music related to a Disney film will play in the background so okay, you know the lion eating zebra scene imagine that scene as you come upon it and then the theme from The Lion King starts blaring we, all the Americans <laughs> in the group we all just burst out laughing
1: like Circle <laughs> of Life
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. You know. Whatever oh,
1: they <laughs> oh such my. bad taste. Oh
0: it was hilarious. It was so funny. Um anyway. And then and then uh, we we have no idea what they were saying. So but but it was just sort of a standard sort of jungle cruise kind of show. Um but um, for lunch, we had a pork steamed bun in the shape of Mickey's hand. It was very good. And then um, and then the character parade there is by Kevin Kidney and Jody Daly. I'm watching this thinking, OK, this this is them. And it was made after Sensational. So you can see some of the same elements in it. It was really well detailed. Again, enormous. and since, But what I really love, and I had photos of this. So you guys, if people have to follow my Facebook page. I have a ton of photos there. No, there'll be more. Um, since it was raining, though, you know how, you know, know uh, you you know stitch will pee on the telephone pole and they'll cancel the parade because there's a little moisture in the air um (laughs) you know it was raining (laughs) that parade ran and the princesses and everybody they had plastic um over their costumes that conformed to the shape of their hairdos and their gowns and everything so that they were completely protected and, and that parade ran. And I thought, what troopers. You know, but, but it, again, yeah, in, these parks, in these parks, it's all about the show. Um, something that I think we've sort of lost a little of, you know, in ours. So... Um,
1: yeah, no, it's I think it's just overall, you know, just from friends that I've had that have gone and what I've read about it, it's just, you know, the, those parks respect the the japanese visitors and everyone who comes to visit those parks and it's kind of like their their gift back the guests respect them so much and they respect them back by by just going above so
0: yeah yeah but um now they do have a splash mountain it's much grander much larger um, despite the rain, it was still a 60-minute wait. Um, th- this is, it's much more themed on the exterior than, than the ones in our parks. They even had a counter service restaurant inside of it. That's I mean, it's how big this thing is. And, but wow. again, the, um, the, the flume, after you dropped down, it was like you stood right there. You could reach out and touch the people as they went by so it's interesting uh, you know the proximity That's of the interest <laughs> and all that so um anyway but um it's a small world was closed due to disney characters um being added to it uh big thunder mountain and the western river um, expedition railroad were also closed for refurbishment so so that was a bit disappointing and and like um like I talked about, guests wore the most elaborate costumes that they'd made themselves. Uh, they, they, you know, they, um, they, they, they were. Oh, one of my um, favorites too were the Fant. A, a group of people dressed as the the broomsticks from Fantasia. Again, I oh. thought they were characters in the park. I was looking for Mickey. It wasn't, and then, and then I saw them walking out of the park later on, and I realized, oh my gosh, these are guests. You know, I mean that's, that's awesome. I know. I mean it and this is encouraged by the park. I mean it's truly amazing the the costumes we saw. Um we did meet up with a connecting with Walt Listener, Emil. He had contacted me a while back. He's a graphic designer and does work for for um you know, for the park. He showed me in one of the shops some of the work that he had done and so he we met for dinner and he and he walked around with our group uh, some of the members of our group when we broke out in the evening and we went on some of the attractions and we talked and he talked about the park we talked about artists and sort of his life he's from if I remember I think he's from Denmark and uh and um in his and is in um yeah, and is on contract with, uh, you know, Tokyo Disneyland there as part of it, part of Imagineering and just a really okay. delightful young man. And but what was nice is, is that, you know, he's the, the post Walt generation, but he uh, he embraces Walt's vision and philosophy and um that he had for the parks and for the guests, and and he shows that in his work and in his ideas. Uh-huh. He's also he also he makes his own costumes, and on his Facebook page, there's him dressed as Bert with Bert, and um, and I said, w- where did you ever get the fabric for that that jacket? He airbrushed it. You know how Bert wears that striped sort of orange yeah, yellow yeah. striped. Jacket? He airbrushed it. I mean, wow! And 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 he and his friends—they they, they like to do um, costumes from the more the lesser, you know, the the films where you don't yeah. see the characters from. Like they dressed up as Merlin, you know, uh, characters in Swordness. Yeah, he yeah. He showed me photos of that and all that, but uh, he was just a delightful um, young man. So, um, but it was just nice to see how you know. We always we have talked about what's going to happen post Walt post Marty Scalar, you know and all that and I, I think that um I think things are going to go well if there's people like Emil and in some of the Imagineers we met at some of the other parks who um they un- they understand Walt they got Walt and they they are uh-huh. you know they get Walt and they're going to um they're going to keep his memory and his vision and philosophy alive through their work. In the parks. Um, both Disneyland and Disney Sea are very lush and heavily themed and detailed. Um, every inch is painted with a pattern, a, a design of some sort, you know, on the wall that adds the story to, um, adds to the story, unlike our parks where you will see like big blank walls in meet and greet areas, you know, like at Epcot. Center the meet and greet is really not yeah. very well. Uh, I mean, you don't see that in these parks at all. Um, huh. It's everything's lavish, you know, um, and everything worked. That was the other amazing thing, and um, and if more English was spoken, I think this park would rate higher for me than the Magic Kingdom. So, okay, um, okay, th- that's how well done it is. Uh, uh, also, the that's courtesy. Crazy. Uh, yeah um the uh, observations I guess courtesy first of all I, I gotta say hats and ears were removed during shows you know so that you wouldn't obstruct view and, d- and even during fireworks and parades no children were ever on shoulders. It's just not wow. done um, no flash photography on attractions there, there's just these understandings you don't do that. Camera phones are kept at face height. So as to not intrude upon guests, um, the, huh. th- there is in no way do you hold them over your heads. So, um, so it's in, in very different it than okay. yeah. And but- the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the cast members are absolutely wonderful. Um, communicated a lot through gestures. English was not, uh, and this was our experience last time we were there. English was not as well spoken as you would. Uh, as we've been led to believe there. We yeah. actually found in mainland China they spoke better English than they did wow, in um, Tokyo or Hong Kong. So, I which would have never thought that. We, we were blown away by it. It was much easier to communicate in mainland China. So... um Anyway, so so that was it, and then the next day we um, flew off. We got on our plane and we headed over to um, Hong Kong, and what was nice here is that carol uh, we 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 uh, a group of us flew from tokyo to hong kong on a and a and it was wonderful because carol had booked me in business class and it was just absolutely luxurious and um i ordered traditional japanese food or chinese food i, I have no idea what i ate but it was good um <laughs> the, the flight was about four and a half hours and so this is day one now of our journey and it's neiman hao is it's its title and um I'm going to share some of the little descriptions. It says here, China thrives as both the world's oldest continuous civilization and a bustling society, enthusiastically moving forward in the 21st century. You will travel within the vast gallery of ethnicities, cities, folklore, and landscapes, reflecting on the past glories of ancient empire, marveling at the profound achievements of an influential modern um, country. And and then it goes on from there. But... um, ABD picked us all up in vans from the airport and drove us to the Hong Kong Disneyland Hotel. And uh, the, the, that's where we met our guides, um, Christian and Daisy. And the nice thing is, Christian, I, Carol and I had met on our backstage magic trip about eight years ago. And that was Christian's very first oh. ABD trip so it was
1: oh excellent
0: yeah so now this hotel is also like a sort of a smaller version of the Grand Floridian but because the lobby is small um or intimate uh it gets very loud with the sound of voices and but then they but they still have a full orchestra in there as they do in the Grand Floridian <laughs> uh, and a pianist in the evening so it's the music is sometimes a little overpowering as delightful as it is um check-in was a breeze. Uh, And then I also knew that um, a young listener, I think you might have met him. Did you meet Hadrian at the D23 Expo in Anaheim? I believe I did. Well, Hadrian was waiting for me in the lobby. And so um, he had been very kind in providing me with suggestions for sites to see, you know, when we were in Hong Kong, advice on what to see in the parks and things. And um, he, I don't know if he'd been waiting there all day, because I don't remember telling him what time I was arriving, because I didn't know. But Hadron was like right there. And he only had 30 minutes before he had, oh, to, I wow. assume he probably had to take a train or something to get home. Mm-hmm. And so we had a really nice chat in the lobby. And um, again, just a uh, really delightful young man. He's only 16, but uh, so well spoken and all that. and um, very, And we had... We had planned to meet next day in the park uh and I was looking forward to it, but the weather would consume would soon conspire to prevent that. Yes. <laughs> um, uh our our room was very nice, Victorian style. The only disappointing thing is the bathroom was just one room, so it's a bit inconvenient. We have two people that are not, you know, um you know, not married or something like that. So you, you have to, you know, get up earlier yeah. There, yeah there were very few electrical outlets which was surprising uh, much less toiletry products but they had a really nice um halloween themed tin with the characters on it um in their halloween costumes and and then there were a few items inside like tiny toothbrush tiny toothpaste a few q-tips nothing like the tokyo disneyland yeah. Um, yeah. hotel our slippers were halloween themed so and then they did provide robes and our room was upgraded so we had a balcony with a view of the bay and all of our doors had um hong kong disneyland halloween decorations on them so um the the, the kind that Funny. through disney floral you would have to pay for so um now the gift shop was much nicer than tokyo disneyland um like I said, the shirts I saw at Tickland, uh, Tokyo Disneyland Resort that I wanted to buy weren't available there, but they were at this hotel. And overall, I think people just like the merchandise here a lot more at this park. Um, our welcome dinner was very nice. It was in one of the ballrooms. Everyone introduced themselves and talked about what they were looking forward to. each shared what we want, what we we're were most looking forward to. We received our lanyards, our first-day pins. You know, the, uh, on ABD trips, you get a different pin every day. Um, that's for the theme of the day Um, we also got ABD insider pins and it indicates how many adventures you've done with ABD so I got my number 2 pin they're gold pins Um, some people were well into double digits because i have yeah. been traveling with dreams unlimited for quite a while and with john and Kevin yep. for quite a while um during the meal um <laughs> this is funny you know how it's become our tradition you know to meet in a lounge at the end of the day and just yeah you know socialize <laughs> during the meal uh we discovered there were no bars or lounges anywhere on property um this was quite shocking especially to one yeah. member of our party who who she really couldn't let it go <laughs> and Daisy said name well, names they'll, they'll be, um, they'll, be um, they'll, they'll be bars and lounges in Beijing <laughs> and she said that's that's three days from now <laughs> four days <laughs> I'm talking about tonight <laughs> so but then Christian who always always Christian would find out get the lowdown on what was going on he discovered Walt's Cafe in the lobby had just started serving alcoholic beverages I mean it was just like the week before it oh. started serving so wow. so all was saved but that became a joke uh, I mean again we we named the lounge after um, after this member of our party we, 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 we created a lounge right outside the cafe because there was a seating area there and so we named it after her So, so we went up to Walt's (laughs) Cafe after dinner. We sat in the lobby to order drinks. However, we had no idea we'd be there for a couple of hours. We went in twice to let someone know we'd like to order drinks. And what we discovered is that's what you have to do Um, in China. And I don't remember if it was in Japan too, but as long as your menu is open, they're not going to approach your table. Um, You have to close your menu. The minute you close it, generally they will come over. Um, Okay. uh you or you have to signal to them. Um if you want anything like refilled and all that, you usually have to signal to them. If you want your check, you have to signal to them. It's not like here where they just sort of you know, people hover and automatically do it. Now they are hovering and that they are watching you, but um they they're they're waiting for a signal from you that it's okay for them to approach. So um so anyway so the server came out and took our orders Um, uh, 20 minutes later he brought out napkins waters and cashews and about 15 minutes after that the first half of the drinks arrived and about 10 to 15 minutes later the uh, the rest were brought out and i decided the drink service was so new they had to look up the drink recipes and they didn't it didn't occur to them that like if three people have ordered a martini you make all three of those at once <laughs> you know, something. um yeah, we've all been to one of those places <laughs> yes so we retired for the night our beds and pillows were way softer and more comfortable than the tokyo design hotel so the next day was um the vip treatment was the theme so our first full day in hong kong treatment hong kong though brought us a different kind of treatment it was a category eight typhoon um the weather didn't look particularly bad, but with a category eight, and apparently the category its not like a hurricane where its intensity, its proximity is, is what the category is. So if it's a one, two, or a three, it means it's farther out. And so the park and all that will open. When it's an 8, not only does the park close, but all of Hong Kong City is shut down, which includes the ferry service that brings workers to and from the islands. Oh. So, um, and so wow. on our side, it didn't seem particularly bad, but we learned later in other parts of Hong Kong, it was really bad to where bridges were closed and, and things like that. Subways were closed and you know, all that. So um, breakfast is a character buffet in the Enchanted Garden Restaurant. The food was a combination of Western and Eastern dishes. This is the first time I ever had dim sum for breakfast. Um, it was delicious and an improvement over Tokyo Disneyland food. Um, our yeah. guide said there was a possibility of the park opening in the afternoon, but we read later that um, it would have to have to be a certain number of hours for it to fall below go to a certain category before they could um, reopen the park again. Uh, I think some of that is probably because other services would have to start up again. So, um, like to bring people back to the park. So, um, so our guides arranged for lunch in Walt's Cafe at 12 noon, and they said they'd have more news then. So, what some of us did is we got together and we walked to the other two resort hotels. Um, Disney's Explorer Lodge is... A combination of Animal Kingdom Lodge, Jumbo House, and the Polynesian Resort, but it's smaller uh-huh. and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, rather than animals roaming outside, though, there are gardens and a pool laid out similar to a Um World of Color Restaurant had a Bug collections under glass with the markings of wings of the butterflies and the shapes of Disney characters. Uh, there was an amazing bakery with cakes in the shape of like suitcases, Mickey ear hats, and other items. Um, Disney's Hollywood Hotel is in art deco style with the pan pacific architectural style of Disney Hollywood Studios and Disney California Adventure entrances um, it's themed sort of to a theme park fantasy concept of classic Hollywood. Chefs and Mickeys and the Hollywood and Dine facades look like movie and Broadway theaters um, there's Hirschfeld style caricatures of the Fab Five on the walls that are similar to the caricatures of stars in the Brown Derby. Um So due to the um, typhoon and the park being closed, different Disney characters were in the lobby of each hotel and and special uh, family activities were set up all around the resorts. Um, Our lunch was in Walt's Cafe, and and this was um, very hastily set up, uh, since you were supposed to eat in the park. The food was good, uh, a little bit fancy for what would have been Walt's palate. Um, John Magi of Dreams Unlimited treated everyone to alcoholic drinks, since they were not included. They came a little bit faster this time. And on the walls of the restaurant are photos of Walt Disney throughout his career, And then at the end of lunch, Christian received confirmation the park would not reopen. So as an alternative, he arranged for us to have a small ballroom at 2.45 p.m. for some special activities. So about a dozen folks showed up, and we played a Hong Kong trivia game and then a Pixar and Disney Parks games for prizes. Um, Of course, everyone won, although we didn't get our prizes. Um, Prizes (laughs) were to be awarded in the park the next day, and then that kept getting put off and put off um, until finally it was going to be in the last day at breakfast and I don't think we got them then either. Uh, We were then showing the Disney film Mulan Um, we got free caramel corn, water and coffee Dinner was supposed to be at the Crystal Palace for fireworks viewing um, but now it was in the Crystal Lotus in the hotel and most of the group had reservations for a dim sum lunch the next day because it was lunch on our own um, but due to today's park events being combined with tomorrow's park events, the lunch had to be canceled. So, as an alternative, even though the meal tonight was a fixed menu, um they allowed us because our dim sum was there it was re- it was prepared so Christian told them, you know you can either serve it tonight or you can throw it away tomorrow because they don't they don't prepare the dim sum for dinner, so oh, okay. we were allowed to to order our dim sum. For you know that we were going to have the next day, have it at dinner. Add additional. Of course, we still had to pay for it, like we were going to. We thought this is a good compromise, and it sort of saved the dinner because we weren't uh, we weren't all that impressed with the food. Yeah. So um, anyway, so um, so. Anyway, uh, um, after having fairly mild weather throughout the day, it was raining steadily after the film. And like I said, dinner at the Crystal Lotus is a mixed bag. Uh, Some of the food, like the chicken legs and fish maw, were not popular. Um, But the adorable Disney dim sum that saved the meal the dim sum was in the forms of like Disney characters like the little green men from Toy Story the three little pigs Baymax Jack Skellington um, Olaf Duffy and Shelley May and it was all very tasty So the next day, day three is Keys to the Magic. Now, this was our first full day in Hong Kong Disneyland Park, and it was quite a walk to the park. Um, Our morning started with a walk with an Imagineer. We were split into groups. Our group walked with Cho, who is on the team that designs the lighting for the park. Um, And in the afternoon, we had a VIP tour with several tour guides and made sure we walked on as many attractions as possible. Normally, these events are done over two days, but due to the typhoon, we had to combine them into one. Um, the park promenade is unique to Hong Kong Disneyland And it's inspired by nature and leaf designs um, The large water fountain at the park's entrance Depicting the Fab Five participating in whimsical water sports Appears when looking at from above Is the official flower of Hong Kong And the pavers are, are in a stylized pineapple design That represents hospitality This was also because of the um, typhoon the day before It was so hot and muggy this day hot and humid it was really unpleasant um hong kong disneyland um, is inspired by the original disneyland to serve as a tribute to that park main street usa is familiar to disneylands but it's it's very different um with shops unique to that park and others in different locations than disneylands in anaheim there is a small tyrus wong exhibit and the History of Disney Animated Films exhibit where Disneyland's Opera House is located on Town Square. Hadrian had um, told me about that. So our first stop was Tomorrowland. All the building architecture is designed in waves to indicate motion and travel. And attractions include the Orbitron, or the Astro Orbiter, Hyperspace Mountain, and the Iron Man Experience. And this is a Star Tours-like, simulator attraction, and it's the first Marvel attraction in any Disney park. queue is really well-themed and it sets the story of Tony Stark establishing his new power source in Hong Kong, due to that city's forward-thinking and good dim sum. Uh, the, <laughs> evil, <laughs> the evil forces of Hydra attempt to steal his power source and must be defeated, and so as we're taking a tour of Hong Kong aboard Stark Industries' newest form of clean and quick transportation Um, of course things go awry we get hijacked by Hydra Um, this is a fun ride but it's really important to go through the queue at least your first time in order to understand the story and then go through the fast pass queue after that um, now, this land is soon going to be expanded to include a Marvel-themed land. Um, new attractions are going to include a Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. attraction. Um, it's going to be similar to Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters, in which guests will shoot at Hydra robots to defeat them. And in some scenes, guests will shrink to the size of Ant-Man. So I'm wondering how much of this is going to make its way over to Disneyland in Anaheim, to Disney California Adventure, yeah, for their yeah. Marvels. Area. Um, next is Fantasyland. This castle is a lesser reproduction of Disneyland's Sleeping Beauty Castle. There's no moat in front. There's um, there's less uh, ornamentation on it. Uh, there's no shops inside. Um, the castle will soon become the facade to a significantly larger and more ornate. Um, Sleeping Beauty Castle, and there will be a moat for a water show. Um, but this castle is going to be close to the height of the Magic Kingdom Cinderella Castle. And I'm, I'm really worried this is going to be out of scale with Main Street yeah. Fantasyland that are, you know, Disneyland-sized. So, um,
1: anyway. Yeah, I'm not impressed with the the look and the designs that they've released so far. It's It's very bold.
0: Yeah and big so um now there are several familiar attractions in this realm including Mickey's PhilharMagic. Magic it's in Cantonese um there's a fairy tale forest and this is their walkthrough version of Storybookland Canal Boat so the scenes are interactive and they're activated by guests cranking a wheel um so so um there's Rapunzel, Snow White, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast and others are depicted um Dumbo, Cinderella carousel, um, Mad Hatter teacups, It's a Small World which is closer to the original Disneyland version but this contains 38 Disney characters. Um and 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 they're in your face. I mean you know they're there. So um and yeah. not as, not quite as subtle as the, the Anaheim version. Um there's only one dark ride, and and what is that? Of course, the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, um, and that's very close to the Magic Kingdom version. It was it was um, I think was it Hadrian who told me that they made a mistake at this park, in that they made the assumption that the people in Hong Kong were not familiar with the um, some of the characters that they, and so they mm-hmm. didn't put they but they so they figured uh, everybody knew Winnie the Pooh. So they put in that dark ride, and it turned out in Hong Kong, okay. they, were, they were familiar with all the Disney characters. So that was a misstep. They, the, the dark rides would yeah. have um, been very yeah. popular there. The standout in this realm, though, is Mickey and the Wondrous Book stage show. And many in our group found this superior to Disneyland's Mickey and a Magical Map which I think is a fantastic show. Um, Mickey and Goofy stumble upon the wondrous book and open it only to have Olaf fall out. And Mickey enters the book to find the correct story to return Olaf, whilst Goofy attempts to corral a melting Olaf who's enjoying his first taste of summer. So Mickey travels through several musical stories, including The Jungle Book, Little Mermaid, Brave, Tangled, Aladdin, Princess and the Frog, um, before, um, and, and even more, before finding Arendelle and giving Elsa the, um, you know, well, he returns, of course, um, Olaf. And then, but it gives Elsa the opportunity to belt out the song. Um, this is Disney theme park theatrical, though, at its finest. Uh, it has English subtitles. Which is really nice. Um, we there are some scenes that we, we never see. Like at one point, Olaf, uh, because he's out of the book, he's out of Arendelle. He's starting to melt apparently. So at one point, his body's walking around. I don't know where his head is. So that was never explained. Uh-huh. And 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 Goofy's talking about how, how um he's as, as he's reporting back to Mickey, he's saying, I, "All I have is you know Olaf's butt." <laughs> I thought, oh okay, we'd never i said that several <laughs> times. And then, um, but I, the way Mickey says, the way Goofy says Mickey's name with his Cantonese accents, and he Mickey, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, I, I don't I found that amusing every time. Um, speaking of Frozen, this realm is looking forward to a huge Frozen expansion with the Kingdom of Arendelle full of restaurants, shops, several attractions, an ice palace, and of course, an Olaf meet and greet. Next, we crossed the magic portal and shrunk into the size of a toy to enter Toy Story Land, which also had a Halloween overlay, so it had some of the more creepier toys from the first film, the ones that, you know, were all put together Uh in the... Yeah. Know. Um, this land awesome. is this land is a copy of the Disneyland Paris version, and it differs from what is being built at Disney Hollywood Studios and, at Walt Disney World, and what appears to be being built in Shanghai, which hasn't been announced yet. Um, all of these attractions are they're basically rethemed off-the-shelf carnival attractions, and including the Toy Story. Um, the toy soldier parachute drop that's basically Disney California adventure the guest you know think of the Malibu there's a slinky dog spin he barks and chases his tail in a circle uh, RC racer is a gut wrenching attraction it goes back and forth on an arched ramp um We then entered the most magnificent areas of the park, Mystic Point and the home of Mystic Manor. And this is their version of the Haunted Mansion. Um, Mystic Manor its the home of Lord Henry Mystic and his little monkey Albert. Um, The manor's architecture is a combination of Southeast Asian style and Moorish, surrounded with a garden like rolling hills that remind Lord Henry of his native Britain. Um, The backstory for this area is that it is a meeting place for the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, SEA, who meet in the Explorers Club restaurant, which is in this area, to share a meal and tell, tell tales of their adventures. The food is quite good. Um, we ate in there, and it's based on regional foods of Asia. So it's almost like a f- very fancy food court um, with with every area, you know, different area of Asia with their different foods. Um Let's see. uh, There's a freight depot near the mansion where trains bring in Lord Henry's artifacts he has collected on his adventures with Albert around the world. And Lord Henry has his artifacts on exhibit for guests to tour his manor house. And this includes a music box that superstitions claims um, brings inanimate objects to life when open. It has a lot of monkeys' designs on it, and they sell models of these in the gift shop. Of course, everybody had to have one. Um, Albert can't keep his hands off it. And mayhem ensues during the tour because Albert opens the music box. And I wrote this five times. And uh, I mean, it's just incredible the way the objects come to life. And then when you're in the, the, I don't know, it's like the Asian artifact room or something, the... suddenly everything starts swirling around you a wall breaks away i I mean even though it's on youtube it doesn't do it justice it's amazing um you know i i even purchased i purchased the music box i purchased a plush albert which sells out like immediately um so that he can sit next to the music box uh the theming the story the technology in this are extraordinary um and and there was never more than a 10-minute wait. I guess we were told that um, this is just not that popular of an attraction in this park. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Um, we then went to Grizzly Gulch. That's this park's frontier land. The one big attraction here is the Big Grizzly Mountain Runaway Mine Cars. title pretty much tells you everything, except that this is a combination <laughs> of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and Expedition Everest. So it had. There's a little surprise, and you're going up the hill, uh, and and the cable breaks, and so you go back down. But it is so much smoother than Expedition Everest that I actually thought that the attraction had broken because it, it didn't feel like you know how an Expedition Everest. It's clear. Yeah. How such so you don't yeah. have that sensation at all. in this and they have they have they have grizzly bears throughout it who are up to their antics and they they felt like a nice homage to Mark Davis's bears from the Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland at Disneyland Um, but anyway this is now one of my favorite coasters the, it, it's terrific Excellent. yeah um, Adventureland is what we're familiar with there is a jungle cruise jungle river cruise that offers skippers um, speaking English Cantonese and Mandarin the uh, the English speaking skipper we had twice pretty much gave a straight tour just pointing to various things um, there may have been one or two jokes in her spiel we we don't know it's hard to tell this is closer to the magic kingdom version because there's a temple scene that does have some special effects in it uh the cruise ending is quite a blast i don't want to ruin it for anybody Um, i had more fun watching the little boy on this that was absolutely terrified through the whole attraction so um this um this attraction is this park's version of rivers of america um and in this, I know guests take rafts to Tarzan's treehouse that's on an island in the center of the river. Um they're also building a new outdoor stage um for in this land that's going to be for a Moana show. Now, there is a you would like their Halloween attraction, because they are also celebrating Halloween. They're a little edgier in Hong Kong. This there is a That's Halloween song, Halloween attraction, very unique to Hong Kong Disneyland. This is off Main Street. It's called Maze of Madness. The Nightmare Experiment continues. You are not going to find this in any other Disney park ever. As best as I can determine, there's this Doctor Wu, and he conducted some sort of an experiment that went badly, and his nightmares have sort of been unleashed. And we have to rescue him. We see um, horror scenes of Pinocchio, and he's in chains, crying for help. It's pitiful. And and somehow um, Ian, in our group, at some point they they took him and they took him away, and, and he appeared in a cage in this scene (laughs) and um, whatever they did to him it was all backstage I said why didn't we see any of that that would have added more to the show than you standing in a cage Um, there's a Mad Hatter scene and this is the Tim Burton version the Mad Hatter Um, he gets he pulls a guest from the group well the thing is because we were all adventures by Disney when he pulled this guest out I thought who's she how did I miss her all these days from the park I don't recognize her at all and well of course she's a plant and but you would <laughs> yeah. normally you wouldn't know that and so he tries to um fit his little hats on her head and he doesn't and then he tries to get this thing that like make crush her skull so it's smaller and then he ends up decapitating her so um anyway so so there's a this is a little darker Uh-oh. side to all this. There's a Monsters, yeah. ink scene, there's a Beauty and the Beast scene, and in this one, at some point Dr. Wu appears and I don't know what he's saying to us but then he transforms or or he is overtaken by a really frightening Satan with like big wings and, and I mean it was wow. intense. And then we leave an exit on the main street. Um, Since none of this is in English, I was completely baffled. By what we saw, I think everyone was. Uh, we, but there were huge lines for this thing. So um, anyway, <laughs> uh, the the Halloween fireworks show was more of a uh, castle-colored light show uh, with primarily ground fireworks and a few rocket starbursts. Nothing. Um, really special for those of us used to the nighttime fireworks spectaculars in the North American parks. However, okay. the children viewing the display were very excited, and that's what's important. Now, they, there is a, a nighttime parade. It's the Villains Night Out, Chapter 2. Um, and for some reason, this featured a fabulous castle projection show. The the um, per, the, the fireworks show didn't, but the parade does. So we couldn't figure that one out. Um, and anyway, and so the parade consisted of a show stop at the hub where there's an overlong show of some sort went on. And and it's where we have the partner statue because this is the only Disney Castle Park without a statue tribute to Walt yeah. Disney. So instead, this yeah. space is used for holiday and special event displays. So there's this cauldron that's steamed. There was some sort of creepy characters that did something there as Jack Skellington, Carla DeVille, Frodo, Judge Frodo, and others sort of clomped around at the end of Main Street. And after a while, as this short, incessant theme song just continued to bang out, Um, they moved on and it turned out there were three other floats following them Ursula, Maleficent and Hades I was just really impressed by all this but one of our members of our group Chandra liked it but she was in a place where you could um, you could see what was going up on Main Street and she said you had to see Uh that to fully appreciate it and I said well that's a problem then if you can only enjoy a parade if (laughs) you're standing in one location so um, anyway Oh, and then somebody tried to film it using a light. And just to show you how tolerant guests are of that, somebody took this his iPhone and turned the flashlight option on and just kept shining it in his face until the guy turned off his camera. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so there's a little trick to use next time you're in the park, kids. Um Anyway, we had dinner at the Corner Cafe on Main Street. My cheeseburger was good, uh, not so much the onion rings. Um, heavy on battered rings, light on the onions. It was hit or miss for um, uh, for all the other dishes. Um, milkshakes is not their forte here, um, because it's sort of themed to be like you know a fifties you know soda counter. Uh, the ones ordered, which really looked pretty, um, had little or no flavor, and Rob's had ice cubes in his which. We we couldn't oh. figure that one out. Yeah, so anyway. So day four was Hong Kong top to bottom. And so we started our day with a motor coach ride to Stanley Market. You can find just about everything touristy here. I purchased some illegal chocolates, um, Cadbury chocolates from England that we cannot get in the U.S. or at Epcot. Um, and those Kinder Eggs, are you familiar with those Kinder Eggs that are banned in the U.S.?
1: Oh, yeah, I brought... Uh- couple home when I uh, went to Germany
0: yeah well I brought a whole lot because they had a lot of Disney themed ones so for people who don't know Kinder Eggs have they're, they're these chocolate eggs that are hollow and they have a little toy inside and apparently everywhere else it's, children can eat them but in the United States we're very frightened our children uh, will swallow the toys because they exactly. can't <laughs> so, um, they are coming out they've designed a US version of them where the egg is sort of separated in two when you open it. You peel yeah, one side and that. you eat it out yeah. with a little spoon. You peel the other side and there's a cheap little toy in there. I also got some Disney luggage tags as uh, stocking stuffers. Uh, but other people have purchased scarf scrolls. Um they they had you could get a rubber stamp carved With your name on it and Chinese characters, a lot of people got those. Um, Some of us walked along the waterfront promenade to the historic Murray House. And there was also a beautiful temple nearby. Again, Hadrian had told me um, about that. Uh, in the restrooms near Stanley Market, they um, they had little goldfish and Siamese fighting fish inside bottles. And these are just like two liter bottles that were cut. And then they just had plants sitting inside of them and the fish just oh. swam in them. So I called those the potty huh. pets. Um, we then boarded our coach for a ride up to Victoria Peak to take in a magnificent view of the city. Very modern shopping malls were also up there. Uh, If you do visit, don't be enticed by the signs leading to a large can of Coca-Cola. It's not worth it. Um, I particularly enjoyed my Ovaltine soft serve ice cream at the McDonald's there. So um, we enjoyed lunch at the Peak Lookout restaurant before taking the funicular back down the hill to our motor coach. That was a lot of fun. We drove through Hong Kong, took a brief ferry boat ride to Kowloon before heading back to our hotel. And on our last night, we ate in the World of Color table service restaurant at the Explorer's Lodge. And the food was quite good. I mean, even good pizza. Um, not sure why this is named World of Color since the theme doesn't seem to be carried through into the restaurant, which was sort of white. Um, we did get desserts to go from the bakery next door um, to the restaurant I'm not big on cupcakes but I had this Mickey Mouse chocolate mousse cupcake that was fantastic so uh, everything there was good um you know, overall, I was very surprised by Hong Kong Disneyland. I went in with really low expectations because I had heard that the park was small, that Main Street was barely a copy of Disneyland's in Anaheim, and that it was built on the cheap. And this park has been expanded a bit since its opening and is it's looking forward to even more expansion but it is very lush it's well themed, there's a lot of attention to detail, this is a charming park, I thoroughly enjoyed it um, and I'm glad we were able to experience it so, um, so th- they've done a lot with it and th- there's a lot more to come although I'm not, I'm not sold on the castle you know with that so anyway so um our next our next one was um, Beijing or bus our uh, day five. So this is the day um, we flew to Beijing. Security at the airport. This was nothing like I've seen in the United States or Canada. Our passports were scanned several times and they were scrutinized oh. line by line. We were scanned for facial recognition. Our body temperatures were taken as we walked through a scanner. What? Um yeah, our carry on bags were x-rayed before boarding the aircraft and after we disembarked the aircraft the regulations for Ugh. what you can put in your check bag are also way stricter than ours <clears throat> so and I'll get into that a little more because it just got more and more intense as time went on because um what would the the Chinese Congress was going on at this time so we saw security everywhere. Um, in the parks, there, there, there was an incredible level of security in the resorts, on the streets. Um, we, this is our, our first introduction to a, a very different society um, than what we're accustomed to. Um, our, our hotel was the chic and ultra-modern um, Rosewood Beijing uh, the staff was very friendly like I mentioned earlier they spoke much better English than the hotel staff in Tokyo and Hong Kong uh, and this was just true throughout our whole stay in mainland China and um, and that was pretty much our day. It was just, um, you know, we, we had dinner, and and that was about it. Um, day six, it is entitled Forbidden Magic. On our first day, we went to the um, the Temple of Prayer for Bountiful Good Harvest, or the Temple of Heaven. This is a structure the China Pavilion at Epcot Center was based on. Um, only this is significantly oh, larger. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and without, um, of course, and without the beautiful water garden that the the pavilion yeah of course so um anyway and and i'm just sort of i'm just turning to that page in the book in here and anyway and then um in ancient uh, so and instead of the garden you have to go up these long long flight of stairs to reach the temple and there's um these beautiful marble um carvings In the stairs as you go up, and all that in the center of the staircase. Just magnificent. Um, In ancient times, the emperor would prepare himself for three days, so he would be purified before going to this um, temple in January of each year to pray for rain and a bountiful harvest for the year. This, this is just a magnificent structure in its detail. When I mean, you think of how old it is, and, and although you can't enter, you can view the interior from the large open doors. Um, important ceremonies um, continue to be held at this spot. They've even had Olympic ceremonies here. Uh, and, and of course, there is no 360 you know film you know, in, inside. Like <laughs> but, but, but it, it, again, it's just a beautiful, very ornate temple in there. And this was our first encounter with the local Chinese who would want to have their photos taken with us. Um, they were very friendly, would walk up to us and want us to be in their photos, shake our hands, smile. Um, uh, uh, Frank in our group. Frank is very tall. You know, you know Frank and Brian. I think they're they're very. Yeah. Frank is very tall, and so, someone ran up to him and said, "You are so handsome." That became a joke. You are so handsome and most handsome man. And they had to take um, a photo with him and all that. So um, it was cute. And but we, we all got <laughs> photographed at some point, or they would join us in our group photos. No. And, and all that, um, but uh, th- th- um, our our Adventures by Disney guide Daisy told us that this really showed the new feeling of openness in their culture. That years ago, the Chinese did not consider approaching um, a Westerner for any sort of friendly interaction. Um, so we spent some time there. Then we went to Tiananmen Square. And this was closed due to the um, government conference that I mentioned, the Congress that was going on. And, and it was going on there at Tiananmen Square. We saw the building. Uh, again, the security was incredible. Just to get on the street, you had to go through security and be scanned and searched. Um, but because we were Adventures by Disney, as as Christian and Daisy call it, the, the power paddle you know, the by Disney Paddle, we were able to just walk through. Um, we got a lot of um, stink eye for that. Um, this is, though, where... Um, this is where we... Well, anyway, well, we walked... A, we Even though we couldn't go on Tiananmen Square, we were able to walk the length of it from across the street. It is massive. Um, we were able to see all the buildings from a distance, including Mao's tomb. And, you know, Mao is, lies in state there in, in the same... Um, People that preserved Lenin's body, because um, he still lies in state in view. Um, the, oh. the, they preserved Mao's body as well, and, um, to, and and unfortunately, if 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 the congress had not been going on, we could have visited his tomb, but we weren't able to oh. for this. Man. Yeah, Now, lunch was at Hua's restaurant. This is a traditional Chinese house that was converted into a restaurant. They had photos of several dignitaries and heads of state who had enjoyed meals there. And we were in a private room in the back and walked past the large open kitchen. And that was really fascinating. Um, We enjoyed this food much more than some of the food we had in Tokyo and Hong Kong. It was served family style, and there was a lot. And as would become common in many of the places, we ate duck was one of the main courses. Um, this uh, was really one of our, our significant, uh, our, our walking into Tiananmen Square. It was our first real significant realization we were in a very different society because we at one point witnessed two different yeah. women being dragged off by authorities as they screamed hysterically. Oh. Um, oh, no. we, we, we have no idea what was going on. It's just we were very uncomfortable, just wanted to keep moving. And um, we were also warned not to photograph any security officers. Uh, we were not to talk about any political or social issues anywhere near the square, because there would be plainclothes officers throughout the area listening who could understand English. Um Security was very high uh, with everyone who wanted to walk on the street. Like I said, they had to be searched, had to go through scanners, but we were allowed to pass through. We then proceeded to the Forbidden City. Um, The portrait of Chairman Mao was new due to the conference. Um, The Tiananmen Square had also been scrubbed so clean you could allegedly wipe the ground with a white shirt and it would still be white. And it was, and, and there were flowers everywhere. I mean, in in the city. Um, again for the conference, and, and huge um, displays on Tiananmen Square of flowers. I mean, enormous displays of flowers. Um, I was unprepared for the immensity of the Forbidden City. I mean, we have seen photos, but it's multiple buildings and rings and rings of buildings with large squares in between them, and. Um, It was built to house the emperor and his family, plus 10,000 servants, including his concubines, eunuchs, and 7,000 maids. Um, Some of the buildings have been restored, whilst others are faded. Um, We were able to view the preserved rooms of the Dowager Empress, or the Empress Orchid, um, when she was a concubine. And then there are other preserved rooms in the western wing of the palace, but only heads of state are allowed to view those. Um, the government is finding it difficult to maintain and restore the, this vast palace due to the enormous cost that it is taking um, to maintain it. it. It is just breathtaking. Um, you know, it was, it, again, it was one of those moments that, you know, I never thought I would ever be here, you know. Um, and like I said, n- nothing does it justice. You know, no photos, no yeah. documentaries. Yeah. I mean, nothing. It, it, and it's overwhelming, just the, the size of it and this, how sprawled out it is. And we only saw a very small part of it. Uh-huh. So so after the tour, we returned to our hotel and dinner was on our own for the evening. A member of our group, um, Kevin, was, I always told Carol, Carol Kevin from Houston, um, he arranged for... Um, A group of us to go to dinner at TRB. And this is a very elegant and modern restaurant. It's in a former temple. So we took two cabs through the streets of Hong Kong. And we were treated to a really wonderful and exotic meal. I had sea bass for my entree. It was excellent. Um, Our server, Francisco, though, turned out to be from Spain. He was now living in mainland China. He spoke perfect English, which is probably why he was assigned to us. We had a private room. And oh. he had been a cast member at Epcot and an assistant server on the Disney Fantasy so he oh, was wow. so th- when he told us this, he said, "Oh boy, do you have the right group?" He was thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh, Adventures by Disney. Anyway, and so he hopes to um, settle in San Francisco someday. I asked him why, and he said because it's more open, and but because of the food and wine that's there. So, um, in addition to our multiple courses, also the because um, you could order a fixed meal or you could select your own um, four or five course meal so and that's what most people did they selected either a four or five course meal where they could choose what they wanted um and then uh, but but then also they the restaurant treats you to additional appetizers and additional desserts and there were a couple times though chandra she was like in this cursed spot they kept bringing her the wrong things and all this stuff and what would happen is is that as, as the food became prepared, the servers would line up outside the room, all perfectly still, holding their trays full of food, until, um, until uh, uh, Francisco came by and sort of approved everything, would start telling them where to put them. Well, at one point, they um, gave Chandra the wrong thing. And so I don't know if we were switching or what happened, but when he found out he was not francisco was not happy and then he goes and now these people are holding trays of food and he just suddenly he's talking at them a, mile a minute and then he just sort of he then bangs his hand on a tray and we thought oh my gosh you're gonna drop the tray and so oh anyway. wow yeah and uh, and then when then when then when the young lady was putting out the um for our, for our main course she was putting out the silverware they gave Chandra a fish knife which I would never have known it was a fish knife but Chandra did and she had ordered I think she had ordered lamb and, um, and so she asked me Michael what did you order? and I said oh I ordered the sea bass and she said oh I think this knife is yours." but she didn't want to get the girl in trouble so she said after she leaves let's just switch and I said oh that's fine with me but she had overheard us so she came and made the switch and then just said thank you <laughs> <laughs> we were worried by the end of the night she was going to be fired because she, yeah, um, yeah. she, she it was like everything always bringing the wrong thing to Chandra it just, uh, we, we just don't know what was going on there so anyway, at the end of the meal, um Francisco brought two domed sort of mousse desserts on plates. And then written on the plates on one said, welcome to TRB. And the other was, I heart Mickey. And then they take a complimentary photo of you. Francisco insisted on being in our photo and holding the... Um, Holding the, the, you know the the I Heart Mickey dessert. It was funny. Uh, the only yeah, sour yeah. note was we had to wait like forty five minutes to an hour before the cabs arrived to transport us back to the hotel. We also learned cab rates can vary wildly. Uh, it, it just like you know we paid like twenty two yuan and um, or Hong Kong dollars and. Um, Another group paid 37, and anyway, so we, we don't quite understand how that'll work. But as exciting as this day was, for many of us, the next day was even greater, and that pun is intended because it was our visit to the Great Wall. And that was our day seven. This would prove to be the highlight for many in our trip. We rode a motor to the Great Wall area. Now, first, there was a visitor center and lots of vendors, mostly selling the same touristy items um, you know, and models of the Great Wall. I climbed the Great Wall, and I love BJ sweatshirts. I had to have it explained to me that BJ meant Beijing. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought I could make a killing selling these sweatshirts at the Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco next year, until somebody told me it meant Beijing. Although I still think I, I could, I could have a, a little um, vendor, vendors, you know, kiosk with these. Um, and now uh, many of the same items we had seen at Stanley Market in Hong Kong, like scrolls with animals on them, um, your name carved in Chinese on a stamp, and all that, were there. Um, there were also some familiar places like Burger King and Subway. You know, along with traditional noodle shops. Now, there was a fairly invigorating walk up a cobblestoned hill, uneven cobblestoned hill, I would hate to walk that in the rain, to the Sky Tram. And, and the weather was perfect. Um, once we got out of Hong Kong, we had perfect weather the whole time, rest of the trip. Um, We walked up this this hill to the Sky Tram that would transport us up the wall. Now, some of the more wiser adventurers in our group had arranged for a very entertaining little old man dressed as... He was dressed as Chairman Mao that day in honor of the um, Congress. Uh, Normally, he's dressed as as the emperor. Um, He he transported them up the tram in his gaily decorated rickshaw. And I thought, how are you pulling adults... Up this this hill because he was he was he was a little man, um, but it turned out it had a little motor in it that helped him along. Um, the riders were entertained by music from the Carpenters and, and other greats as they rode up the hill. It was it was just this mishmash of cultures, you know, up there for them. Um, at the top, we were treated to spectacular views as we ascended in the tram to the Great Wall. And stepping onto the wall, many said, This is why I came to China. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, photos riding Soren can't prepare you for the emotional experience, really, of being on the Great Wall. As this thing, this huge wall just snakes its way up and down you know these these hills, um I, just imagining the monetary and human cost as well as the centuries it took to construct this uh, staggers the mind, and much of it yeah. is in decay you know they 're keeping certain sections um you know um maintained for the tourists um But we spent quite a bit of time on the wall. Um, Daisy told us the history of the wall and how the bonfires were lit because if one bonfire... The number of fires in these giant... You know, like in Mulan, the opening scene of Mulan. They would light light a number of fires in the towers and each one would indicate how close the invaders were to um, the wall. Um, Now... um, Uh, also the slopes and the steps and all that were uneven um in order to slow down um invaders you know Huns and i thought so that must mean that the chinese of the day they must have drilled running up and down this wall so that they knew
1: how to run
0: it fast so that they weren't slowed down um then that at one sense. point, yeah. Then at one point, as we're standing there, I'm um, listening to Daisy. Um, two warriors just suddenly rush out of one of the towers, and they're in traditional warrior garb. And they rushed at us as if to attack, but unfortunately, one tripped and he fell right at the feet of me and um, Frank and Brian, who were standing next to me. Now, Frank and Brian were celebrating their wedding anniversary on this trip, and the warriors were supposed to charge out with a special card and pin set. From AVD for them, and well unfortunately, <laughs> um, the fall spoiled the surprise a bit and the, and the oh cards and pins were slightly damaged. so um, Frank and Brian received a fresh set at the farewell dinner. Oh but, that's funny, I know. They scared me. I thought when the guy just went flat on his face right and, and we were standing up on like a, a platform kind of thing, a raise in the tower so we and um so i i thought he'd hit his face on the edge of the rise but anyway um anyway they were undaunted by the fall and the warriors um, posed for photos with all of us and um christian had um promised to send carol a photo of him and me um from the great wall which he did and and then again this is you know the old technology of the great wall meets the new technology of cell phones i was able to call carol from on top of the great wall to tell her I was there. Oh wow, that isn't, is so cool! Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we rode the tram back down and walked down the hill and took our motor coach to the schoolhouse for lunch. This indeed had once been a schoolhouse that was close to the the um, really rapid decline in China's birth rate. Um, but it was here we had tasted firewater because I th- was it Chandra. I forget who had asked. About I always attribute everything alcoholic to Chandra on this trip. I'm sure she appreciates that, I, <laughs> yeah, oh, but, she uh, absolutely would. <laughs> um, but it's here we tasted firewater because somebody had asked about firewater on the trip, and it w- if could we taste it and all that stuff. And so, since this was an adults-only trip, and we were hearing, like, we heard a lot of the stories at the Great uh, at the Forbidden City, all about the concubines and the eunuchs that normally ABD would not share if it if there were children on the trip. So we we heard it all um on ours. But it's here we tasted fire water and this is a white a Christian and um and Daisy had gone out during the previous evening to get it. And it's a rice wine and there were two bottles. There's a real big bottle that was fifty six percent proof. And there was another bottle, a smaller one that was forty three percent proof. And I, I somebody okay. told me how you convert that and so it's much stronger than it sounds. So, um, you know, how you, what proof really means, I didn't have a good understanding exactly. of that. And um, well, anyway, yeah. th- we had little paper cups and it was eating through them. Oh, so, <laughs> holy drinks. And, um, wow. and Daisy, but then Daisy tells us she tr- the smaller 43 proof fire water, she drinks a small bottle of that ev- with dinner each night. And her husband drinks a large one with dinner, sometimes two. So this is either going to prolong their lives or kill them. I I don't know. (laughs) But but this is not like sipping Chardonnay with your meal. So so we did it like a shot. We didn't have a lot. But then there was enough. If people wanted more, they could get more. But I I was fine with just one. Um, But um, anyway, it, it, it went down hot. Apparently, the 43% went down smoother. I had the 56% one. Back to the hotel we went. And once again, um, Kevin of Houston, he arranged for our group to have dinner in the hotel at the Country Kitchen. Again, a a delicious meal. Um, Each table, uh, and all these meals are ordered family style, the giant Lazy Susan in the middle. Um, Each table ordered plates to share. um, And then we all also ordered individual entrees. Um, Duck, of course, was also featured in this. Um, Day eight, we did, um, next day, pedicab um, to the hutong. And what a hutong is, it's a small communal home in which an individual families will have their own private quarters, maybe a room or something. And then they have, um, there's a courtyard that they share and a communal kitchen. If they're lucky, they have their own toilet. Otherwise, they have to use a public toilet that's shared by the other hutongs. Um, and, and also a public shower. And this is a traditional way of life for many in China. And it's preferred by many of the older generation due to the community that forms in the hutong, where there are no secrets. Because if there are toilets, there are no partitions. So you know everything that's going on. Um, they, they shun apartments because um, neighbors don't know neighbors when you live in an apartment. Um, so before flying to Shanghai, we were fortunate to be able to visit a hutong, but first we rode pedicabs through the streets of what felt like a small town, and we could get an idea of what life is like outside of the dense areas of the city. And luckily they didn't... <laughs> some of the riders did make mention of, of Buddha bellies for some of the people on our trip. Ours was a, a little, <laughs> little kinder, the one that rode me in um. <laughs> I think you know Stephen. Who's um, yeah? He's he's listening to the show. He and I rode in the same hutong. Um oh, th- nice. there were lots of yeah. There were lots of little shops, um, outside dining, small parks. It was really charming. It was like you know Mayberry um, China almost. Um, we arrived at the hutong where we were split up into two groups to learn about you know some um, traditional Chinese crafts. A retired kindergarten teacher um, attempted to instruct us in the fine art of knot tying. Um, she taught us the simplest of all knots. I I, I struggled just as much with knots then as I did when I was a Boy Scout. I was just all thumbs with this. Um, Our guide Daisy... Work to reimagine what I created so it would resemble what um, we were supposed to create and then at the end this, this, this woman gave each of us this beautifully crafted bracelet with beads on it that she had made um, I'm wearing mine now actually and, um, but, but then she I guess they make these incredible knotted sculptures that they um, for holidays and, and other special events and she had a number of them in her um, room that that was her residence in the hutong. Um, next was paper cuttings. We moved to another room. I was a lot more proficient at this, um, mainly because in our first, in this project the lines were drawn for us. So um, anyway, and this, so this lady um, who worked with us, she had worked for the government. Um, before doing this. So she um we created two simple projects. We just cut out some Chinese figures that meant like um, you know, eternal joy and and something else. And then um she gave each of us um a, a very intricate design that she had cut like with like a little tiny exacto knife. And then she again had fabulous huge paper cuttings, you know, displayed, you know, around her um residence. Then it was on to a local park where we learned the Zen of yo, you know, the art of the Chinese yo-yo. And, you know, you've seen this. This is where you have two sticks connected with a string. And then you have this cylindrical yeah, yo-yo yeah, you try yeah. to balance and spin and toss exactly. and catch on the string. Yeah, Our yo-yo master, who's, I don't know, he looked like he was 102, he performed some incredible feats. Um, so I videoed some of it. It's on my Facebook page um, before he taught us. I, I was just happy I figured out how to spin it and keep it spinning. Um, I could finally toss it up by the end, but catching it was just a different story. But Cynthia in our group, um, she got so good at tossing and catching it that she drew a crowd. (laughs) And some of the locals were amazed that this was her first attempt. Oh, oh, wow. doing it. Yeah, they they were taking... Yeah, they were taking her photo, you know, and all this. Uh-huh. Was amazing. Now, I think that she, that she she's married to um, Michael. He's the other Michael on our tour. Um, I think they uh-huh. have a son that has one of these too. So I think now she's going to dazzle him with her her uh-huh. art of yo here. Um, <laughs> we we had lunch at the Noble House Restaurant. Ah, food was okay. Uh, there was something they tried to pass off as duck. Um, but after having had duck so many days in a row, i become pretty familiar with it. I love duck. I'd, I don't know what this was, but I suspect this duck had lived a long, happy life and died of old age and asleep before being prepared for our lunch. And uh, this was one tough bird. And then, um, and then um, it was off to the airport in Shanghai. So let me get my little maps and all that out there. And this is this might be a, a good time to talk about airport security because when I was waiting in the airport on Thursday, Wednesday in the US for my flight home, I read Jackie Gailey's article for the Diz and Titer Airport Security Orlando and some of the comments and and folks that is nothing compared to the security we went through in China Um, curiously despite having very modern airport terminals um, we boarded and disembarked our aircraft in China using stairs rather than jetways although jetways were available um, and that was difficult because we did have a a, a couple people in our group who have mobility issues and so um, navigating up and down those stairs it was a challenge for them um After um, disembarking, you know, down the stairs, we were herded into buses and driven to our gates, we were proceeded to customs and immigration. Firstly, we arrived three hours before our flight, and you have to. Um, As you cross the threshold into the airport terminal, this is as you like walk through the gates off, walk through the doors off the street. Um, Your bags are swabbed for explosive residue, then all your bags are scanned and you walk through a body scanner. Um, At the ticket agent gate where you're checking in, my passport was reviewed. I was questioned about why I was in China by security. Um, My checked bags were scanned again. I had to go, one of my bags had to go because it's the one where I had um, all my um, pins from the trip and my liquids. Um, I had to go, that went through a special scanner two more times before I was cleared. Then it. Then I was. Then I was off to immigration, where my passport was checked again and my photo was taken. Then my carry-ons had to be emptied of my iPad Pro, of all batteries, umbrellas, power banks, um, and cords, um, liquids, cell phone, coats, belts, wallets had to be removed. Then the bags were scanned, and then I walked to a body scanner. I was hand scanned, and then I was patted down a bit meticulously. And then once my carry-on was re-inspected and re-scanned, then at the gate, before boarding, my boarding pass and passport were checked by a security agent. Then the boarding agent checked my boarding pass, and then another security agent checked my boarding pass at the plane's hatch before I stepped onto the craft. So um, I felt much more secure flying in China than I ever did flying within the United yeah, States. You know, but it comes at a cost of time and inconvenience. And again, I think I don't know if this is how much of this is standard, how much of this is because of the Chinese Congress. Like I said, there was security everywhere, including yeah. throughout the parks, the, the, the Disney parks. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and a lot of lighters um, everywhere you went in the airport. There were there were little bowls of, of lighters they had confiscated oh. from people. So um, smoking, uh, people smoke. And even though there are designated smoking areas, they don't care. They smoke when they want to smoke and where they want to smoke. So even in, in the Disney parks. So we landed in Shanghai, and um, we boarded our coach for an hour or so drive to Shanghai Disneyland Hotel. Normally, flights from Beijing to Shanghai can be delayed one to two hours. So we had to pre-order room service for dinner um, because it it was assumed. Sometimes it can even be three hours delay. Um, So Christian had assumed, you know, everything would be closed by the time we arrived. Uh, Our plane left on time. We arrived on time. So so um, the area where Shanghai Design was built was once farmland. Um, suburbs of high-rise apartments are being built farther out from the city due to the high cost of housing. Uh, those who are able to purchase an apartment can expect to pay $1.5 to $2 million for a 1,200-square-foot apartment. And that is large. Um, most are 400 to 800 square f- um, feet and there's studio apartments. So what oh, people will wow. do is they'll put up partitions to create two bedrooms, one for parents and one for the child. And, and now oh. China does um, encourage two children. So um, because, again, I think I've read somewhere their birth rates declined by 34%. And because yeah, yeah. they insist um, women can retire at 55 and men at 60, although they're upping men's now to 65, they don't, and then they then they live on their government pension, um, they don't have uh-huh. enough younger people to support the older people on the pensions. So they're upping the um, the retirement age for men, but yeah. their, their one-child policy is gone now. So, yeah. um, but the problem is, pe- as Daisy said, people don't want to have children. So they're happy with their cats, and I guess they're stuffed um, Duffies. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, so what they'll do is, if they have two children of different genders, when the children are older, the father will share a room with the son, and the mother with the daughter, <laughs> and that ensures there's no third child. Um so anyway, um, so the the Shanghai Disneyland Hotel is grand, as is everything about this resort. The scale is enormous, and the decorations and the furnishings are opulent. The resort is in an Art Nouveau style, and there are Disney details and fine touches everywhere. You can spend days in this resort and still find uh, Disney touches that you didn't notice before. Oh, I think was it at the... I think at the Hong Kong Design Hotel we had a wonderful little kiss goodnight where you push the button on the headboards and there's a there's a, um, a carved pixie because we, we, we had two beds but I assume they pushed them together for one when you have a couple in the room. Um, uh-huh. there, there was a, a carved um Tinkerbell on one and then the castle on the other. So when you push the button, oh, the excellent. pixie dust starts on one headboard zooming around and then it goes travels over to the other headboard, goes around the castle and then bursts into fireworks. And I, I have oh, that on my awesome. I have that on my Facebook page. They didn't have anything like that here at um, Shanghai. So yeah. um but um there are sprawling lawns and gardens surrounding the hotel, even within Disneyland itself, because the Chinese have an affinity to parks and nature because they live in such high-density cities. Um, so since we arrived early, once our bags were delivered to our room, we in our room we had a view of Disneyland and Wishing Star Lake. The, uh, and uh, um, and then once our dinner was finished, we went over to Disney Town. And this is Shanghai's version of Disney Springs in downtown Disney. It was nicely decorated for Halloween. It had restaurants like the Boathouse, but it's much more upscale and not as popular as the one in Disney Springs. Um, Cheesecake Factory, Wolfgang Pucks. Um, some of the restaurants have outdoor dining terraces overlooking Disneyland. So diners can get a feel for the park without... Um, having to purchase a ticket, because Disney was just so new to them. They were trying to give them options to see, okay, what is this park like, without having to actually enter it. Um, There are also retail shops, including a large World of Disney shop. But the merchandise in Shanghai was a bit disappointing, since much of it is also available here in the US parks and Disney stores. Um, There was very little Shanghai Disneyland branded merchandise, um, there is also a stage there in Disney Town, and there was music so loud we could hear it from our room across the lake. So, well
1: um, oh, no, that's nuts!
0: Yeah. Now, much of this Disneyland hotel is themed to Fantasia. They have a Bacchus Lounge, which is decorated to the pastoral segment, and it also has a beautiful view of the castle from again its enormous windows. They even have in the marble inlaid floors as a head. Of the Bacchus in the film the Bacchus character Um, next door there's a ballet bakery it has a large sculpture of the dancing hippo Um, Lumiere's is the sit-down restaurant theme to Beauty and the Beast that's where we enjoyed a character breakfast every morning again just lots of details all around up in in the wallpaper and the columns there's a huge Beauty and the Beast statue carved marble statue out in front I'm just amazing um Asian and Western food options were available. And although this was the smallest of all the rooms in our trips, it was beautiful with lots of layers of details. Like I said, we had these huge windows that looked out into the park garden area, Wishing Star Lake and Disneyland. The toiletries were not Disney themed, but they were good quality. We had um, comfortable slippers, robes and amenities similar to the other hotels we'd stayed at. So day nine was called Once Upon an Adventure the next day. We spent this day at Shanghai Disneyland with VIP tour guides and then spent the rest of the day in the park on our own. So for each day in the park, um, Adventures by Disney provided us with a park ticket with seven fast passes. So I'm going to talk about the park and the attractions all at once a bit later. So I'm going to skip to day 10 and then we'll return to the park. So day 10 was called Shanghai Noon and Night. So we drove across the bridge in the Shanghai on our motor coach where this is where the old world meets the ultra modern new. Um, So after um, disembarking from our motor coach, we walked the crowded streets of Shanghai to the old city or Old Chinatown, as Daisy called it, An old very. These are very, very old traditional Chinese buildings, and then and then right next to them are the, uh, the modern Shanghai skyline. Um, we entered a very busy shopping mall that had everything from jade silk souvenirs and pork bun vendors to McDonald's, Starbucks, and Papa John's. Um, our first stop, though, was a tour of Yu Gardens with our local guide Flo. Um, new gardens were started in the 1500s by a man for his retired parents as a place for them to stay visit with friends enjoy the gardens because again gardens are such a luxury in Shanghai but as is typical of any large project it took more time and money to complete so that the man was bankrupt and his parents dead by the time it was all over Um, after passing through many hands the government finally took over the gardens in order to preserve it um, we then and, and they're beautiful, just the sculptures, the the um, architecture of the buildings. Um, dragons, are, which is a very powerful animal in the, in the Chinese zodiac, were, were carved throughout the rooftops. I mean it was just lovely. Um, uh, on the roofs also were carvings of warriors in order to protect the buildings, fight off evil spirits. Um, we we then went shopping in the bazaar. Christian, Daisy, and Flo directed everyone to the reputable shops where folks could purchase silk, pearls, jade, tea, chopsticks, and other goods. Um, every shop I went to, the clerks were friendly. They were informative, not the least bit high pressured. And their prices were very reasonable. Um, you know, even when when I, I got a couple silk scarves, one for Carol, one for a daughter-in-law, and they, even, they even had a whole display set up of how silk is made and we got to stretch silk you know and all that so it it, it was really cool really cool and and then and I bought jade for um, some of the women in our family and all that and um, but uh, but of course we were also accosted by locals who wanted to sell us you know iPhones watches some sort of cards I don't know what they were i never figured those out but we were warned multiple times along the way by our guides not to even speak with these people because they even say no thank you just the word thank you to them they interpret as meaning we're interested so um so she said ignore them or just say no or she taught us how to say it in um in cantonese but I, i don't remember how to say it or mandarin i don't remember how you say it um after shopping and lunch on our own, we walked to the motor coach for a visit to the Bund where we could take photos of the modern skyline on one side of the river and then the British colonial buildings. That was, the, um, that was their area where they settled on the other um, after that area was um, g- given over to them. Um, we had dinner at Din Tai Fung. This is a very well-known soup dumpling restaurant. There's a whole art to eating soup dumplings. I don't know. Have you ever had soup dumplings?
1: Um, I think once or twice, but I don't really like dumplings of any
0: kind. Oh, oh I love them. But anyway, uh, my place was a mess, by the way. I, I never quite got the hang of it, but they were good. And then, and then there were other dishes as well that we could enjoy. Next on the schedule was an acrobat show at the Shanghai Circus World, but some of us opted out of that so we could return to the Bund because um, we wanted to see the Shanghai skyline at night. So Daisy called uh, us an Uber. Who knew they had Uber in China? For a ride to the Peninsula Hotel, which is on the Bund. And we sat at the rooftop bar Sir Ellie's. Uh, Luckily, blankets are provided because it was a bit nippy that night and so we watched the night lights of the party and dining cruising boats going up and down the river some of the the brilliantly lit modern skyscrapers they actually do light shows on the buildings in their lights so it, it's just fascinating to watch and then of oh. course the the brilliantly lit colonial buildings of the british section um, you know, on uh-huh. the other side, uh-huh. just... I, and it was just gorgeous. I'm so happy that we went there. Um, when we were leave, leaving, uh, we were lucky. Instead of having to wait for the cabs, a minibus was unloading luggage. And I think it was Kevin of Houston who um, negotiated a price for the driver to take us all back to the Disneyland Hotel. And it was, like, really cheap. So, I don't know how that... Considering that we're hearing, like, um, the price of gas was like... Ten dollars a liter or something. Um, oh, I wow. thought I don't know how they they make money on anything because the cab yeah. rides were so yeah. inexpensive. And this is our last full day together. Um, we were led by an imagineer who is one of the creative directors for. Um, for Shanghai Designers. His name was Keith, and he had been with the Disney Company for over 20 years. And He worked on projects for Tokyo Disney Sea and Hong Kong Disneyland before working on Shanghai Disneyland. And he's also the head of the team that stays with the parks after they're built, the international parks, and makes sure to keep the show going. Or um, And Joe, in, who's our Hong Kong Imagineer, she's also part of that team, uh, just to make sure that the parks, whatever they decide they're going to add, that is six to Walt's vision and philosophy. So it's nice to know that the Disney company Imagineering, you know, are committed to that, that they they have people stay there in order to keep that going. Yeah, exactly. We learned that this is the first year of Halloween in the park. Um, And they're continuing to work to see how um, edgy they can get whilst keeping it family friendly. Um, So everything at Shanghai Design is built on a huge scale, which gives it a very different feel than any other park. And, you know, the motto we've heard, authentically Disney, distinctively Chinese. And this has been incorporated throughout the philosophy and design of the park. Now, the entrance is the largest of any Disney park, I guess, if you don't include hotel entrances and it resembles a train station to most of us westerners um but you know when is a train station not a train station well here because there's no train um i asked keith about that and he said a creative decision was made to not include a train surrounding the park because it can be restrictive you know to the growth of the park and i thought no oh, you know that's sad um yeah 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 when you enter the park, you are on Mickey Avenue rather than on Main Street USA. And this was done because Main Street would not resonate with the Chinese. And we saw, you know, some of this at the D23 Expo last June. Um, Mickey Avenue was designed to promote the Disney characters and to tell not only their story, but the story of Mickey Avenue whilst conveying the welcoming feel of Main Street USA. So, for example, the Marceline Hotel, which is the carefree corner, um, houses a pin shop and photo pass counters, but the artwork on the well tells the story of the creation of Mickey Avenue. And this history doesn't exist anywhere else. Next door, the Sweetheart's Confectionery Shop. That's the former childhood home of Minnie Mouse. And it tells her story in artwork of her life growing up on the farm and of how she and Mickey met. Um, There's an Italian ice cream shop, and it tells Donald's family history in it. I mean, who knew Donald was Italian? That just... I had no idea. I Um, didn't know that. (laughs) Well, he is in Shanghai. Um, This is one of the most richly themed and detailed areas I have ever seen in any Disney park. Virtually every building, every piece of architecture conveys a story or feeling. There are nods to silly symphony shorts throughout the avenue. There are many humorous touches. Um, for example, the Three Little Pigs hardware and repair store is right next to the Big Bad Wolf demolition company. So um, I, I don't know if many people would notice that. But I just thought that was cute. Um, the next day, I spent a couple of hours just looking at just all the details of mickey avenue and taking photos and that's when i enjoyed that delightfully themed ice cream sundae i mentioned earlier in the show and i'll I'll have photos of mickey avenue in the coming days on my facebook page in all the asian parks there's a lot of disney themed food like i said and I, i just don't understand why our parks can't do the same um at the end of Mickey Avenue, instead of the Hub or Central Plaza, there is the Gardens of Imagination. And again, this was due to the Chinese affinity for parks. Um, and it's also why there's a large green picnic area in Fantasyland. And so this is just a large um, walking area, park area. Um that you can view the fireworks or fireworks castle show from here. Um, The Dumbo attraction and the carousel, which is themed to Fantasia, um, are included in the Gardens of Imagination. And that was done to give it a, a Tivoli garden feel in this area. Now, interestingly, rather than the partner statue, this park has the storyteller statue from Disney California Adventure sitting there and um and again they say it's because this depicts walt as the storyteller um as the uh, because the whole park is dedicated really especially mickey avenue to telling the story of the characters um yeah yeah uh, another unique feature is the garden of 12 friends this is more of a large sitting area than a garden this really bothered chandra she's going to get it out of her head that this was um not a garden. <laughs> um, this has hand-laid mosaics of the 12 signs of the Chinese zodiac in Disney characters, though. And there's some also some exquisite hand-laid princess mosaics in the castle, um, one for each season of the year. And Keith said this park has the highest percentage of guests who stay from opening to closing than any other park. But I was thinking that, you know, this park also closes at 8 p.m., and so I'm rather than one p.m. like our parks do. So I'm wondering if that's yeah, a contributing that's, reason for that. Yeah, it's very early. Yeah, um, they don't offer annual passes. Instead, the park offers seasonal passes, which have exceeded expectations in their sales. They've recently converted over to a digital fast pass system using your cell phone. It's free and fairly easy to use as so long as your phone is charged. Um, they were doing this because people were. Um, Hawking fast passes At the gate That's the one thing Like when you leave at night Leave Disney Town All that after Because Disney Town closes I think 9 or 10 There are people Standing out there Selling souvenirs That they've gotten From inside the world of Disney store At I'm sure Inflated rates Or I don't know If they have You know (laughs) Stolen them Or what Because again There were times When I was walking Around that Disney store And I had a cast member Like right next to me You know The whole time um Keith took us oh oh just off the gardens of imagination is the Wandering Moon's restaurant and Keith believes this is a crown jewel of the um authentically disney distinctively chinese philosophy um Wandering Moon is he's a traveling poet who brought the stories of each region of China through food into each of the dining rooms and this is a this is a beautifully designed restaurant in traditional Chinese style and some of us ate here and the food was quite good um, Keith took us into Adventure Isle which is based on the sky and, and the image of the thunderbird the land and the fanged cat and water and it was a serpent um, a very unique attraction here is the Challenge Trail this is an obstacle course that um, Joe Rohde um, we were always a day behind Joe Rhodey on this trip. Uh, He was touring all the parks as well and people were following him on Twitter. Um, Anyway, he would like to build this in Animal Kingdom. Um, This will never be built in Animal Kingdom. Um, Anyway, you're harnessed, at least not in this (laughs) form. Um, You are harnessed in before you um, take on the challenge of three obstacle courses that vary in difficulty. And you're walking over bridges that are like broken bridges there's there's one where i opted to take the easy way out because it was this ledge mm-hmm. a really narrow ledge and a waterfall i couldn't find where so you're getting wet i couldn't find yeah, the handholds yeah. or anything so i thought forget it because one woman did slip <laughs> and she just swung right out and then steven from our group managed to grab her to pull her back in and i thought i would have just been oh, hanging there gosh. and i would have been on everybody's yeah. social media page because i don't know how i would have <laughs> gotten myself back you know over to that um Anyway, the nice thing is as you're as you're leading, your um harness is attached to like a rail and you can switch the rail between the three courses. So if you want to do something challenging, one challenging thing, you can do that, but then you can opt on the next uh, next obstacle if you want to do the mid- medium one, you can switch over to that track and do the medium one. And and so it so you can, you know, basically chart your own course. You know, in this, Um, there is a large mountain and waterfall in the center of the challenge show that's beautifully done. And the same crew that did the rock work for Cars Land in Disney California Adventure and Pandora in Animal Kingdom did this rock work. Now they're working on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Anaheim and um, Treasure Cove is the pirate-themed area and home to the marquee attraction of this park. Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for the Sunken Treasure. And this tells a very different story than any of the other um, Pirate of the Caribbean attractions. There's some nods to the classic attractions, but this is on, uh, like everything else in this park, this is on a much larger scale. Now, Treasure Cove itself is home uh, of very jovial pirates. This is after the British have left. Um, and and so they tried to convey that uh, that this is a different type of pirates than what Chinese culture is accustomed to, that these are fun loving pirates. So every building tells some part of that story and of the history of this land. And the, the global premiere of the Last Pirates of the Caribbean film was held in the Walt Disney Grand Theater that's in the park, and then the after party was in Treasure Cove. Now. This parts of the Caribbean is themed to the film franchise because the Chinese are more familiar with films than with the original attraction storyline, and the boats are propelled magnetically, so it makes for a much smoother ride. And you know, I believe the word "awesome" is overused, so I don't use it. But this attraction attraction is awesome. Um, (laughs) It is amazing. When you walk, yeah, yeah, and you know what? There was never more than a ten minute wait. For this, wow! The time we were there, and there's no fast pass for it. Um, ah. the, the queue is elaborately themed. Um, when you walk through, there are certain scenes that are very reminiscent of the um, first scenes you float through in the Disneyland version. Those cavern scenes. Um, you board a very, very large boat, and I think it holds over thirty people. Oh, probably more than that. But and then you, um, in fact, I'm sure it's more than that. And then you. Um, go through and you go there's a dining area but it's a counter service dining but it's similar to the blue bayou um in the look and then the story starts and the whole thing is is that the um you you're going through caverns but the pirates are um they're already uh they're skeletons and so and then, and even like some of the scenes that we see at the end of the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction like you know the three pirates in the in the jail and they're trying to entice the dog with yeah, holding yeah. the key they're in skeletal form in the beginning of this including the dog okay. and as you're going through all this you then are coming upon a ship and there's a skeleton standing there but then if you look up you see that there's a moon and then the light comes through and shines on the skeleton and it it transforms into captain jack sparrow there's an aa figure of captain jack sparrow and and you hear everybody go oh and and like keith said that they needed that scene so people would then engage you know with the attraction and basically captain jack sparrow is recruiting you to um to be with uh, to get captain um to to get uh oh gosh what's his name now uh, to get davy jones's treasure and so you're recruited to be part of his crew to get it. So as you're going through this, so then suddenly you go underwater, a great effect, done much better than um, the Little Mermaid attraction, but also because it's bigger. And you um, go through it, and then you're underwater. And again, you're going by scenes, and you um, the, the, they do such a good job, even the way they make the the seaweed float that looks like it's really in water. It's amazing. And there's projections in the background to give it that water movement and feeling above you. And then you come across a a couple of of the pirate guys from the films in... um, they're in stocks, and I don't know what they're saying. And then um, then the hammerhead guy you see, and he says, uh, he pops up from behind the treasure, because we, we come across the treasure. And he says, oh, if you want this treasure, you're going to have to fight for it with Davy Jones. And then you go in through, like, you're, you're, you're sort of sailing in and out through wrecked ships. Because one of the first scenes you see is this huge, huge expanse of, of um, where you're underwater and the pirates are there. One of Some three of them are fishing. And, and you're underwater and there's all these wrecked ships. There's a giant kraken that's, um, you know, swimming away and all. I mean, it's amazing how they got that. It's like they perfected somehow that 3D, you know, 3D effect without glasses. And then they... Um, and then you you tell you have to fight Captain Jack Sparrow. I mean, I'm sorry, you have to fight... Um, Davy Jones, and then then you come across the most awesome Davy Jones figure, and he's playing the organ madly and saying, "If you want, if you want the gold, you're going to have to um, come up and fight for it." About you know, on the water and all that, and then and then you go another room. And suddenly, it's you feel like you're really going up. You just suddenly raise up all the ships that are at the bottom they, they start raising up going to the top and you, you've I don't know how they do it but you almost feel like the pressure on you of yourself raising up when it's probably it's just the projections and this um, this room this domed room and screen is larger than the one used for Soren. So and then um wow, and then there's a big, big huge ship battle. Ships are sinking. Um the uh, captain uh, captain Sparrow's on one ship and across from him is, um, is Davy Jones and they're shouting at each other and shooting cannons back and forth and you're we're sailing right in between them. And then um and then they they're they're uh you know they're having a sword fight and then we go inside one of the wrecked ships again and then um and then they're they're again they're battling they're they're on swords they're they're having a little sword fight and Captain Jack Sparrow jumps into his little boat and he has a cannon he lights the cannon shoots off and he misses um Mrs Barbosa or Mrs Jack Sparrow who's or Mrs uh, I'll name them I'll get the name right sooner or later Na- he gets uh, Davy Jones and Davy he misses him Davy says hi, you missed me he says it wasn't you I was aiming for and what he does is he he's made a hole in the ship and so all this water starts pouring through and that um plummets us back and we go backwards down the waterfall and and we even get wet and then uh and then and they snap our photo at some point in there and then but then the photo makes it look like we're going down the waterfall frontwards instead of backwards and so then um and then we come, and then we go through some other scenes, and then we see Captain Jack Sparrow's little boat there again, because he's been washed away, you know, in the boat. And there's two scenes. We see um, there's a scene where there's a treasure, and then Captain Jack Sparrow starts singing "Yo Ho, Yo Ho," and you see this pile, and it glitters. It turns into the treasure, and he's holding his rum and all that. And, and he's been victorious. He's actually gotten the um, treasure from Davy Jones. But there's an alternate ending. Where Davy Jones is victorious, and not only does the sea, the the gold, the treasure turn into a pile of kelp before your eyes, the 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 rum, the bottle of rum that uh, Jack Sparrow is holding disappears. So then Jack Sparrow bemoans, not only did he take my treasure, he took my rum. And then then it's the end of the attraction. It is amazing, just amazing. I think I wrote it six times in two days that's so, um,
1: impressive. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, um I saw models of the audio animatronic figures cuz Garner Holt did these. And so he had yeah, some of yeah. them at um you know at his production studio. The and um and and like I said the, 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 there is never more than a, a 10 minute wait. I don't get it. Uh I I can I mean look at our traditional attractions what the wait is for them. Can you imagine if we had something like this in our parks what the wait would
1: be? Oh, it would It'd be probably ninety minutes
0: every day. Yeah, yeah, but but you know what lines had long waits, turkey legs, forty five minutes to an hour. The turkey leg cart. And it's not I
1: have, worth it.
0: <laughs> I have to them. It is. I have a photo. And you know, I talked about Duffy and Shelly Mae and Gelatoni and 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 yeah. Them? They were they were um, releasing Gelatoni merchandise at a shop that's it's called the Whistle Stop at the end of Mickey Avenue. It's the old train station, and if you go, it's worth going inside because they tell the story of the train station, and um, in in artwork in there. Um, but it's now it's now a Duffy and Friend shop. They were releasing merchandise oh. for Gelatoni that day. The lines were hours and hours and hours long all day of people waiting to get this new merchandise so um but 10 minute wait for pirates <laughs> so anyway so then we went to fantasyland um keith designed the alice in wonderland maze and this is based on the tim burton version so the film version had to be softened a bit more for this this maze to be family friendly i walked through it later and it's cute um, there's figures from the film recreated, including a large holographic version of the Cheshire Cat that appears and disappears in a cavern. And it's really well done. But there is this extraordinarily large head of the Red Queen. It's out of scale with like life and everything. It's the most visible object in, in throughout the maze. Um, and there's a mad tea party scene with some interactive elements children can spin the cakes and cups there's some photo opportunity areas um, all around it what I really don't like is the location of this attraction Um, because when you walk through the Enchanted Storybook Castle you come out on like a large balcony that overlooks this maze and that ginormous head of the Red Queen rather than having a magnificent reveal of fantasy land, like our parks traditionally do. So um so I don't think it's good storytelling or good viewing. But according to Keith, Tim Burton's very happy with the maze and, and children seem to enjoy yeah. it who are there. So I I suppose it's there yes. to stay.
1: Yep. That's you know. all that matters. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the centerpiece of Fantasyland and the park is the Enchanted Storybook Castle. Again, it is built on a grand scale and in a different architectural style. Um, Keith said that the Chinese could not fathom the concept of a ruler living removed in a fortress. Um, you know so the castle had to look more like a palace and that seemed a bit ironic to me since they had a succession of emperors who lived in an enormous palace that most were forbidden to enter so I don't know but anyway this castle is supposed to represent all the princesses however um the castle walkthrough, which is called Once Upon a Time Adventure, basically tells the story of Snow White, but really well done, really modern, using modern technology, um, they tell the story. So, um, so to me, this is really Snow White's castle, you know, because it's her walkthrough, and all the other princesses yeah, are just guests, you yeah, know. That's cool. So, yeah, Thanks but based that. on the number of guests I saw wearing Snow White costumes, I She's as beloved in China as like Belle and Elsa is, are here Uh in the U.S. And there were plenty of those costumes there, too. But, um, Yeah. yeah, I think they have. Also, I do remember reading somewhere that Snow White was introduced to China before they sort of closed themselves off to, you know, the modern world. And then they had the Cultural Revolution and all that. And then yeah. after they reopened yeah. again, um, that the, they were more familiar with the modern films. So it was like Snow White and like Pinocchio. Fantasia made it through, and then um, everything stopped. And then um, for you know decades, and then um, there. So I think that might be a reason too, is that she sort of spans the generations for them. Because the older generation probably remembers Snow White from their childhood. That's my—I'm just speculating on that. And now they've passed it down. So, um, but one of the things is Keith was able to take us on a walk through the Royal Banquet Hall within the castle, um, and this is the um, character dining in the castle. That and this looks like a cross between, you know, our Cinderella's Royal Table and the Palace at Versailles. Um, you know, it's just magnificent and gorgeous. Um, and, and different rooms themed to different films. Bambi is another film that they really love. And Princess and the Frog, a um, lot of theme to that as well. Now, you think princesses wow. would be wandering through the banquet hall. However, it's um, Mickey and his pals you'll meet when you eat here. Um, there is a oh. princess meet and greet outside the castle. And they have a beautiful um, carved background of the castle that's that they stand in front of so and you know this castle i i had to stare at it for a couple of days to decide if i liked it or not because it doesn't follow the traditional um you know going that, that was like the the rule of thumb was a disney castle yeah. had to be in the pyramid shape it's not exactly that way um but the more, and it's very busy, a really busy, ornate yeah. facade. But when you think of it, that it's more of a palace-looking thing, and um, and after seeing the Forbidden City, I'm thinking, okay, I, I, it grew on me after a while. Okay, so okay. Um, so I like it, you know, um, you know, I I, I like it, and maybe because Snow White's in there, that helps me like it a little <laughs> more. So, um, anyway, um, so but like I said, it, it took me a little while. Um, finally, yeah. finally, Keith took us to Tomorrowland. This is very different in style, design, and story than any other Tomorrowland. Um, this Tomorrowland has a large green belt between it and Mickey Avenue to show the harmony between humans, nature, and technology. To me, though, this Tomorrowland has a bit of an industrial look to it, especially with the the light and um, Uh, speaker poles that they have that are are very, I don't know, they're very tall and thin um, throughout the Mm -hmm. park, almost tree-like. It has multiple levels to provide dimension and different views, and it's a bit reminiscent of the film Tomorrowland. um, To combat the problem of Uh, Tomorrowland becoming today land. This land does not depict the future. Rather, we are in modern day Shanghai where the future happens. So, this is supposed to allow different entertainment options like concerts and fashion shows on a very large stage that they have there. Baymax also will lead you in a morning um, exercise routine um, on that stage. So, yeah, Yeah, Goofy does that at some of the resort hotels too. Of course, the signature attraction here is the Tron Light Cycle Power Run, coming soon to the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. This is very well done. It's very thrilling, and it's very short, although it was long enough for me. Um, it, you really <laughs> do feel like you are riding a light cycle in a race, um, you know, because they because they they have projections on the wall as you're going through this, yeah, and um, so you feel like you're right in the middle of it, and they pull it off well. The mm-hmm. lighting is really good. Um, I didn't. I don't think I sat in it quite right, so I think I was a little too low, so I found it a bit uncomfortable. I, I okay. Yeah. Some people said they felt um, flight of passage vehicles were were more uncomfortable than the tron light ones and for me it's the other way around but i think i just didn't get into it right oh. um yeah so now now there is a shop curiously the shop is accessible only after you ride the attraction when a group of us wanted to return to the shop the next day we had to um be specially escorted in by a manager um oh wow and then um Scott Drake, who, oh, they also have um, Tron um, Light Cycle Popcorn Bucket and Sippy Cup. Mm-hmm. That. They also had two popcorn buckets that were Asian-themed on the outside um, with the filigree and little hats and all that. And then they had these flat-bottom Mickey and Minnie um, popcorn, uh, popcorn buckets oh. in their traditional colors. And so that, that added cool. to my collection. Um, Scott yeah. Drake who was the lead for the Tron light cycle power run um, he was very passionate about including Tron as a light cycle attraction and now he's the lead for Marvel so of course the question came up um, that didn't get answered by Keith um, will Disney California Adventure see a Captain America Tron like coaster in its Marvel expansion because mm-hmm. you know Captain America rides a motorcycle yeah So no I yeah I agree yeah. Yeah, and, and that ended our time with Keith, and we were on our own for the rest of the day. And, um, you know, I, I want to talk about some of the other attractions and shows that we went on during our days in the park, but this is not all of them, because there were a few we skipped. Um, in Fantasyland, Peter Pan's flight is, again, it's wonderful. It more fully tells this film story of Peter Pan. This is a arguably be the best of the Peter Pan attractions. It's a really good blend of projected imagery and has some great special effects along with some, some good audio animatronic figures. It's I think it's a bit closer to the Anaheim version than the Magic Kingdom version. Um, the queue is, I like the queue too, it's designed to be a British park and it has a nice Tinkerbell effect. They, they also pull off the flight of of Peter Pan and the children in that first scene really well um, between special effects projections and audio animatronic figures Um, they have a many adventures of winnie the pooh attraction it's disappointing it is a copy of the magic kingdom and hong kong versions Uh, why i don't understand it with the newest park has you know why did they dust off those blueprints what yet again Um, the, the, the only the only park that's ever given pooh any love and money was tokyo disneyland so um now Voyage to the Crystal Grotto is a boat ride that goes into the castle. I, I I wrote this a couple of times trying to figure out the storyline here. It has something to do, as far as I can figure out, with dragonflies. Uh, and they look like the kind you might buy at a garden center to decorate your yard. And the, <laughs> that, that's what Rob commented on. And then they're peppered throughout the attraction. Um, we sailed along with these dragonflies past fountains and statues of characters from various Disney films as theme music plays. And they're, they're big. They're huge. In some scenes, the figure's twirl more often they don't do anything um, then we enter the castle into the crystal grotto which twinkles and glows and there are glittering dragonflies on the walls and all that and guests oohed and odd over this um, then we were outside so I I, I really have no idea what was going on here. Um, th- this is all surprisingly low-tech and underwhelming. Like I said, I wrote it a second time to see if I missed something the first time, and I hadn't. But it, it's very pretty to look at, very relaxing. The only thing I don't like is the boats. They're like jungle cruise boats, but they're hard-topped. So um, y- you can't see through the canopy. To- so you miss some of the tops of the figures if you're sitting like a cross you know, on the other side of the boat so i wish they had the canopy were different canopies were different so you could see through them um anyway oh i, I, I some of the figures could use a touch-up of paint um rob and i ate at the Tangle tree tavern and in, in this land it's themed to tangled and the food was fine it was good um in Treasure Cove, bunch of us saw the stunt show, Eye of the Story, Captain Jack's Stunt Spectacular. Uh, this is where, the, in Shanghai, we were having encounters with people, you know, no personal space. Um, they see a space, they fill it, even if it's in front of you or in between you and your companion or whatever. So we had been fighting that a bit along the way we had an encounter with a lady she was going to be first in line well the problem was we were first in line but she was going to be first in line and this was just an ongoing thing it became a thing with us I don't know why I I think because we were curious to see what was so important that she had to be first we found out but then when we got (laughs) ushered in there there was a pre-show which we have no idea what was going on they introduced the characters and all that and um and um, it was funny. Everyone was laughing, so I guess it, it, it was it was good. And um, but we we were when we were at our rope, I noticed. I point out to our group when they open this rope, it's on my side. That woman is on the other side. We're gonna get there first to wherever she's going. So Stephen and Cynthia, they actually body blocked her. Uh, As we went down, and and people were running, they were like like, like they were in a marathon, running into this theater, and I I just was amused. This woman was she was practically going to climb on their shoulders over them to get wherever she wanted to go, and and I was just we were just wanted to know where was she going. It became a game with us. I mean, we were terrible. It was our last day. We were I think we were just punchy, and so. It turned out, because then we let her go by, it turned out she had to be in the very front center row middle seat. That is where she wanted to go because it increased her odds of interacting with some of the characters come to the front row and will interact with guests. They skipped her. But that didn't seem to, um, you know, flag her spirits in the least. She had a big grin on her face there. We were in the second row, it was just fine. Um, we don't know what any of this was about, but we just wanted to see that water spout scene. <laughs> um, have you seen that? Where they go, they get caught up and they go flying? No, Recitec. I haven't oh, seen that. Oh, look for it on yeah. on Facebook on YouTube. Anyway, that's all okay. we wanted to see. So it's really well yeah. done. It's really cool, and um, a Chinese Captain Jack Sparrow was also really fun to see. Um, Rob and I did Sirens Revenge. this is a walk through pirate ship. It's a cross between the Wicked Wench from like Pirates of the Caribbean films and the sailing ship Columbia at Anaheim Disneyland and you can see various sections of the ship um, play with some of the interactive elements like the little kids are all shooting off the cannons and those are loud cannons and there there are interactive portraits of Captain Jack Sparrow Captain Barbosa and Mr. Gibbs you know like they have on on some of the Disney ship cruise line ships, um, all all of them had capt had captain the Siren's Revenge at some point, according to the backstory. And um, we ate at Barbosa's Bounty in this land because Daisy told us the barbecue ribs were the best, and they were fine. Um, in Adventure Island, we also went on Soarin' Over the Horizon, and this is the newest version of Soarin' that is in all the parks, but their pre-show is very different, because it's very traditional Chinese, um, the spirit of the sky, um, a thunderbird who transformed into a woman, is the one that sets up the attraction experience for us, whilst keeping the land's theme of land, sky, and water um, in the show. Um, there's still a little joke about taking off these little babies and it, it is it is their their mouse ears and all that. Um, the ride ends over modern Shanghai skyline because the park wasn't built when the film was produced. So they're in discussions as to are they now going to add in the um, scene of the castle in the closing. We saw another show, um, Tarzan: Call of the Jungle. This tells the story of Tarzan through um, acrobatics and dance. Um, I enjoyed this um, mainly because even though it was in Chinese, I, I you know you know the story. But it was really well done. I mean, they had some incredible acrobatic effects. They're on stilts and they're they're being launched, catapulted off of um, you know seesaws and landing in nets, and it was it was quite impressive. Um, I had hoped to meet up with one of our listeners. I'm um, Holly, who I met on Tom Sawyer Island during the D23 Expo in Anaheim. I'm um, Holly, and I'd communicated via email. But what we didn't work out in advance was that she would contact me via Twitter in Shanghai and I wasn't following Twitter closely during the trip. So I missed her on the day that she was in the park, but she did meet up with John May So that was good. So lesson learned. Um, I have to work out in advance how we will communicate when arranging to meet up with, um, listeners. So I apologize, Holly, that, um, we didn't get a chance to meet up. Um, yeah. anyway, um, the, So, my thoughts on this park. This park is um, enormous and lavish. It is highly detailed, much like Animal Kingdom. It has that feel. Um, Despite its size, however, there, there are really relatively few attractions. Um, Also missing from the park are attractions similar to the Haunted Mansion, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, It's a Small World, and the Steam Trains. And, you know, these have become signature attractions in most Disneyland-style parks. So when I asked Keith about this, he said that they made a creative decision between using old IPs and new IPs. And however, as much as I enjoyed this park, I feel it feels a bit less because it is missing at least some of these, you know, key Uh attractions. Yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, our farewell dinner was in Club Thirty Three. It, it this is um, it can be accessed either through Disney Town or um, off of Mickey Avenue. Um, it is done in an Art Nouveau style. It is very grand and elegant with a modern feel. Um, the theme of Fantasia is prominent in the club and there were rooms that had nods to Mulan Princess and the Frog Bambi and Sleeping Beauty the Sleeping Beauty was like more like an alcove it's a little private dining room for like two or four people um, we were allowed to purchase merchandise um, which everybody did in fact I think they sold out of items um, the food was delicious and the presentation was was absolutely perfect um, there was a balcony from which we could watch the fireworks show, or rather the castle projection show with fireworks. And this is the first evening the winds did not prevent the fireworks portion of the show. The first time we saw the show, we were in the VIP viewing area up close to the castle. that We got access to that on the day we, did, we were with the VIP tour guides. Um, but I thought the projections that close were difficult to see because the facade of the castle is so busy. Um, from the balcony and at a distance, the projections you could see perfectly. Um, and Brian in our group observed it was as if the show was designed to be viewed from the balcony because we were like dead center, you know, looking yeah. at it. Wow. And, and and they had the fireworks and they were nice, um, the, you know, but again, not the huge elaborateness of um you know that we're accustomed to and we kept coming yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't they didn't they invent them here why don't they have more of them <laughs> so, but, That's um, a but point. yeah but the uh, the um, castle projection show is very good again it just uh, it seemed to just sort of be a uh, let's how many how many characters can we bring out you know, here, you know, and, and all that. So if there was a unifying theme, I'm not sure what it was. It was something unique to the spark. It seemed like it was Mickey traveling around and sort of um, encountering these characters as he was just sort of wandering. That's the only theme I could pick up. Of course, which film had the longest segment? Bet you can't guess. <laughs> Frozen. They got two songs. Oh. Yeah. 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 So anyway. There you go. Um, yeah. So now after the dinner there was a sharing of our favorite moments and interestingly for most of those who spoke it was the non Disney experiences they enjoyed the most like walking on the great wall and seeing the forbidden city or or are some of our more funny moments or heartwarming moments meeting the people in China and and of course um you know also visiting all the parks visiting all those parks was too but but it it, it was the um it was discovering China that was the highlight for the majority of our group a bit earlier that's than actually in- mm-hmm.
1: oh that's actually great to hear that uh, it's it's great for a trip like that where you get to blend the love of Disney but still get out of that bubble completely and there in this trip it seems like you really did have the best of both worlds there
0: we did I mean and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a little into that about the planning of this trip but i thought it was a really nice i'm glad it wasn't all just disney um and i'm and this trip got then the traditional abd trip um has more of the parks than the abd trip like on, if you do the traditional china abd trip you only get uh, like three or four hours in, Hon, in the hong kong disneyland park and um we also got an extra day in beijing on our itinerary than groups that have done a similar itinerary were able to get. And so um more about that in a bit. Um but yeah, it was it was a nice balance of China and Disney in this one. Um Now, a bit earlier in the day, I think it was in the day, um, John and Kevin gave out two pins specially made for those who now had visited all the Disney parks. And the pins, one of them said every Disney park. And um, they were were very brightly sort of colors, rainbowy color kind of thing. And then the other one, every freaking park. <laughs> I like that one. Now, now making the clean sweep. What was major for many in our group, but a good number still need to visit Disneyland Paris to make their clean sweeps. So I think the pressure's on um, Kevin now to to, yeah. um, to to plan one a, a nights and lights trip. Yeah. Sometimes um, the it's evening been. concluded. Yeah. It, it's been a few years, and uh, and I think yeah. what would excite me is if they ever did do that because Kevin and John have been to Europe so many times since they did the Nights and Lights tour they've learned yeah. a lot more they know a lot more about Europe that I think What the the Dreams Unlimited travel exclusive trip they would create would be really different from the previous ones that, yeah, I that bet. they created Not again I didn't talk to them about it that's just my
1: <laughs> That's just my guess.
0: After seeing this trip, um, the evening concluded with the traditional slideshow of photos taken by our guys throughout the trip. Some of the photos—they seem like they happened so long ago. Um, there were some. Uh, there was. There was some emotional concluding remarks from Christian and Daisy, and then the goodbyes amongst the adventurers. You know, so for me, the highlights for me, of course, seeing all the Asian parks um, and the Forbidden City and the Great Wall, you know, I never thought I'd do those things. And if it weren't for Adventures by Disney and Dreams Unlimited Travel, I probably wouldn't have. But the biggest impact on me, and this is what I said when they said. What are you in the beginning of the trip we were all asked, "What are you looking most forward to and and I, and, and the big the thing that was a highlight for me was the same thing I was looking the most forward to, and that was meeting the people of China and seeing how they lived um, you know growing up in the sixties and seventies, uh, my vision of China and her people were closely tied to the China and its politics of that era and the cultural revolution and and all of that, and how closed off they were. And, you know, and, um, and some of the, you know, things associated with the politics and how they manage their people. Um, But just seeing how friendly, kind and gracious, just about everybody was in Japan and China to us, it was just so wonderful to see. And, And sometimes it's a reminder how, you know, our governments can get in the way of our, of the people of the countries just getting along. And so, So and I don't know if that comes off as very naive, but um, it it was just, so that's what I enjoyed the most. And um, now we certainly, you know, we all experienced the pushing, the shoving, the lack of personal space. Um, We did see the using of the outdoors as a toilet that we were all warned about. Um, We did see some very questionable um, epitaphs being worn proudly on clothing around parks and hotels. But, um, you know, more often than not, everyone we encountered was happy to meet us. And they made every effort to communicate with us and to reach out to us. Um, After a word about airlines in China, you know, once we got through all the security, the planes were clean and comfortable. I flew an economy class on two different airlines within China, and I had much more legroom than I did flying the, um, let's just say, the Friendly Skies and Economy class. Also, the cabin hosts and hostesses were gracious, polite, and well-groomed. Uh, as compared um, to the friendly skies, that they just sort of, some of them just sort of clomped around the plane, looking disheveled, and would ask, "What do you want to drink?" Um, you know. It's, so I don't know. I think so, uh, maybe some of our domestic carrier carriers that fly our flags could learn a thing or two from some international carriers, um, and, and then of course. Did I connect with Walt in Tokyo, Hong Kong, and the Shanghai parks? You know, I I found Walt's vision and philosophy, I think, alive and well in all the parks. The Imagineers we met with, plus our listener, Emil, they were all passionate about staying true to Walt's philosophy and his storytelling in all its forms and throughout the park. Um, they know the importance of Walt's legacy and they honor his memory through their work. And I believe it shows in what has been created in these parks. You know, and regarding the cast members, Walt's desire to providing top-notch service to guests was ever-present in the attitudes and smiles of every cast member we encountered in every park. I've never waved so much as I did at the Shanghai Resort, because it seemed like every cast member would wave and smile to us. Um, And despite it being a challenge at times to find a trash can, the parks were impressively clean. And as much as I appreciate and respect the cast members at our domestic parks, those who train our cast members could learn a lot from the cast members at the Asian parks. I really think Walt and Roy would be proud of these parks and of the cast members and of everyone involved in the design and creation of those parks. You know, and if you can, if there's any way that you out there can afford it, try to travel to these parks for a completely new yet familiar um, Disney experience. And, you know, when you book your trip, do it through Dreams Unlimited Travel. This was not, as I mentioned a moment ago, this was not a standard China Adventures by Disney trip. This was specially put together by Kevin Close and John May of Dreams Unlimited Travel. They worked with ABD to put together a special China trip for the Disney fan. Um, ABD even created some pins unique for this particular itinerary. Um, as I mentioned earlier, John even worked very hard to put together the special pre-group um, trip to Tokyo, which um, other groups who have used this itinerary um, did not, um, As I think Kevin has mentioned, um, ABD made the decision to sell this same itinerary to other agencies who promoted it as something they had personally put together. Um, But make no mistake, those folks went on a trip planned by Kevin and John at Dreams Unlimited Travel. So if you want to book, an Adventures by Disney trip, I'm going to plug our sponsor again. right Kevin at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Um, they have a number of exclusive trips throughout the year that are plused by Kevin and John for Dreams clients. So, um, so I don't know. If, uh, Craig, any last thoughts, comments?
1: Um, just said that I couldn't be there with you for it. This yeah. literally sounds like a bucket list trip
0: it was it absolutely was and you know and i'm so grateful for everybody who was in our group and everybody we encountered christian daisy john kevin i mean everybody was just fantastic so um it was a wonderful trip so um, yeah, that's, and you know and, hopefully you know, i'm on the next one <laughs> i hope so so yeah. you know and with that we come to the end of our october 2017 season However, don't be surprised if Craig and I appear in your Connecting with Walt iTunes feed before the end of the year. So, uh-huh. so, so, Craig, until then, how can our listeners connect with you? Uh,
1: of course, you can find me multiple days of the week on all the other shows that we have on the Dis Unplugged <clears throat> podcast network, including the Disney World show on Tuesday, Universal on Thursdays, Uh, here, there, everywhere and of course you can always follow me at Telecluster on Twitter Michael, where can everyone find you?
0: Well, you can find me most Sunday nights on the Disney Unplugged podcast, Disneyland Edition with my good friends Tom Bell, Nancy Johnson, Mary Jo malata Willie, and Tony Spatel. We have lots of fun talking about Walt's Park that started it all and all Southern California theme parks, the Walt Disney Family Museum, and even more Disney history. You can download our two weekly shows from iTunes each Monday. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studios, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my disney history episodes at Disunplug.com. look for past episodes of connecting with walt on itunes where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings you can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com on twitter i'm at mbowling 121 facebook i'm michael bowling and that's where you'll see photos from and videos from this trip and um thank you, and thank you for hanging in there. This is probably okay. our longest episode yet. And, um, yeah, I, hope, I think it is, actually. Yeah. But, but I hope you all feel it was worth it as you as you traveled with me through um, Tokyo and um, China. And so, thank you for making us a part of your day, and remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney and his brother Roy, and Z.I. Jen